With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Look at this. Look around you. You think this madness will end with your rule? It's too late. It's too late to stop it. No. We can. Together. Hillbilly DVD reviews number 36. Slow Hand Radio Marvel Madness continues. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hillbilly DVD reviews. That's right. The big crossover, the Marvel Cinematic Universe crossover is coming over to our redneck of the woods over here in the HB DVD-R land. All you fuckers out there, get ready because we're going to be breaking down some Marvel movies fast and furious. But first, I got to roll out the slow hand Avengers here. Over to my right, we have the one and the only obsessively compulsively designing hundreds of segments gimmicks and entertainment whatnots for the second run podcast we have jelly stark over here jelly what's going on what's your latest segment that you've cooked up that will be showcased one time and one time only on the second run podcast uh we're gonna be i think we're gonna do something um try and do uh, some form of like either 150 character reviews or seven words to describe a movie, something where we try and try and blitzkrieg a movie in like two sentences or less. Because their show is so long. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> hours and hours of work and preparation for a two minute segment. Over to my left. I'm looking him dead in the eye, and he's crazy as hell. Not only is he someone that commands the thunder, but he can also command a thundering herd, a wild pack of dogs. The mighty bird. Bird, what's going on? How many animals do you currently have stockpiled that you're ready to unleash during the recording of this podcast? Uh, there's a couple around here. <laughs> okay, just a couple. How you guys doing? It's good to be here. Okay. What Bert, is this character that Bert's playing all of a sudden? Bert, are, are, are you wearing a pair of overalls with, with grass hanging out of your side corner of your no, mouth? Uh, <laughs> with wheat straw hanging out of the corner of your mouth? I was trying to act really casual. Okay. <laughs> and over here to my, good to my other left, this man has racked up so many freaking flyer miles on the Quinjet fleet. Flying all over the world for on-location set reporting and whatnot and talking about all kinds of toiletries. We have the one and only Source Widow. Source Widow, I, I, know, I know you're just anxious to get over here and get this podcast rolling, aren't you? Well, well, firstly, I want to make sure the camera has enough time to pan my ass mm. and then upward to my, to my boobs and then to my face. But uh, most importantly, I love being on Hibberly DVD reviews because before we even get rolling, we get, you better watch out, you fuckers, here it comes. <laughs> so <laughs> I always enjoy that. It's a little bit of a different dynamic than uh, than we have. 
Yeah, we, we have a level um, of class and dignity that not a lot of podcasts have. <laughs> Everybody knows me. I'm the man of a million stumbling and bumbling and hard-to-understand complaints and rants. I am the incredible goat. But last but not least, we I, I, can't, I just can't wait for this guy. I know he's going to have a lot to say about all these movies tonight. We have the man whose superpower is to look into the future and shit all over a George Romero project before there's even been a single <laughs> frame of film shot. I'm talking about the one and only Trev Vision from If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It. Trev. Hey, how's, how's it going? To, to, my, to be fair, there's already like, you know, 15 issues of a comic book and it ain't good. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, 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 okay, okay, Trev. You know more than anyone here, you being the co-host of Days of Future podcast, you know that a movie or any kind of project could be good, could be bad. It might not have any sort of resemblance whatsoever to the source material, and it will not you know, affect the outcome and quality. Just ask Brian Singer. He didn't even know who Cyclops was before he started shooting the first X-Men movie. You know that. <laughs> Yeah, I, he, I would argue he might still not, but uh, <laughs> no, you're right, Goat. But, I mean, but you know, if I, I let's just put it this way, I feel about as excited about new George Romero projects as you do about Channing Tatum projects. There so go. everyone's got their, you know, <laughs> everybody's got their picadillos and things that they have yeah. biases. Of, speaking of, just really quickly though, speaking of, just speaking of Days of Future podcast, really quickly, I just want to thank my co-host from that show, Joe, for doing the uh, the intro that we used on this uh, last time. Yeah, the, Joe uh, the Avengers awesome. Assemble intro. I forgot to mention that last time, but that was great that he put that together for us. So. Joe Fury. No, we yeah. we have a couple absences. Yeah, give credit where credit's due. Stop trying to usurp all that shit. Un- un- unfortunately, I heard he's battling the scum and the slime on the mean streets of Dayton, Ohio, but Captain America could not. Join us tonight. You mean Captain America? Captain yeah, America Eric. was never scheduled. Okay, Captain America not make it here. Yeah, he got shot by one of those time-displacing bullets, so right now he's going through all of Eric's like previous adventures. Oh, Unstuck in time. Nice. Yeah, either or. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we should have just replaced him with a, a black guy, like they do with the real Captain America in the comics. Oh, jeez. And uh, our sharpshooter... That didn't take long to get Rachel up in here. <laughs> And our sharpshooter, Hawk Corey, could not make it. He had some chores to tend to on the farm, so best of luck with him taking care of his farmland over there. But don't let the fact that there's only five of us dissuade you from thinking we're not going to cover the shit out of these next Marvel films. And best of all, I think in a way we're going to get really be able to hit the ground running with this because tonight the first movie we're going to be talking about is the one, the only, the highest grossing, grossing Marvel movie to date. Talking about 2012's The Avengers. So wait, we're on Hillbilly DVD reviews, and we didn't do What Are You Drinking? Yeah, I was going That's to... a travesty. I was going to throw it in, but then I was like, do I want to affect... But, well, okay, first of all, Jelly Stark, what are you drinking? I am drinking some bourbon. Oh, shit. I, <laughs> I think you're bringing it more real than even I am tonight. Trev, what do you got? I'm going to okay. take I'm going to take a guess and say uh, diet green raspberry green tea. Am I right? No, no, I'm drinking peach iced tea actually. Ah, oh, I was close. Source widow. You thought it couldn't get any more gay. 
<laughs> Just when you didn't think you could get any more gay source, yep. tell us what you're <laughs> sipping on tonight. What's in your I, mouth? <laughs> I'm drinking a glass of water, but it's in a Coors glass. Oh. That's worth something, right? It is worth something. Coors gets a lot of points for me. I have a bottle of water. Again. <sighs> source bringing his oral skills. <laughs> I have a bottle of water. I have about a quarter left of a Gatorade bottle of lime cucumber, lemon pepino, and I have about half a sip left of Diet Mountain Dew in a can here. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's it's, oh. it's, it's, it's a Latino Gatorade for our Latino brethren. Uh, okay, that's good to know. Bird, as as t- tell me, can you top that? How many drinks do you have there for you and your four-legged friends? Uh, I Zero. <laughs> zero drinks. I don't have anything. Oh, man. Bird's going to get really parched during this podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, I, 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 Trev, you, use your powers of the vision and tell me, can you see in our future, will Bird be talking to somebody on mic asking for a cup of water later on? <laughs> I think that's a given. He's going to. Well, he's probably going to make a phone call to someone and bring him something. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> if only they had the pink dot uh, re- uh, takeout place over there. Bert could order all kinds of stuff up. But yeah, let, let's hit it hard and heavy, man. This was the movie that was supposed to make all our comic book dreams come true. 2012's The Avengers. I mean, do we really even need to break down the plot? I mean, basically the plot is Loki is still on the loose. As alluded to in the uh, what was it the end of the of Thor I think it was or yeah yeah it was, it was the end of Thor yeah because Captain America didn't have a real like little stinger thing so yeah Loki he's he's using his mind manipulation powers uh, he's you know keeping an eye on the Tesseract just waiting for when he can pop through an interdimensional portal and steal it which he does he has a scepter which which by the way what, what did I miss. Uh, the scepter, um, where, where did the scepter come from that Loki has that mind, lets him mind control people? I don't know, but it's Thanos gives it that to him, right? That whole thing is stupid. Oh, that the Chintari gave it to him, that's right. Thing, it just, yeah, it, does it appear at the end of Thor in the post-credits, no. or does it first no, appear in no. this? It, it first appears in this. At the, very, at the very beginning of Avengers, you see uh, them giving it to Loki. Is it, what's, that, what's that thing's name, the, the, the mouth of Thanos or whatever? He's the like, guy... The guy who talks for him in this movie. I think he's called the one, isn't he? The other. The other. The other. The other. Yeah. The other. So yeah, Loki does a deal with uh, the other, who is the leader of the. Is it Chintari? Chitari? How do you say? Chitari. 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 And they, they, they really were some shit tarry too. Do you, by the way, do you guys remember when everybody was hot and heavy on the internet trying to predict that it would be the scrolls that uh, they would be fighting in this movie? You all remember that hoopla? No, I yes. do not. You know, I do. Yeah. Everybody thought, and then there was like the quick, tiny little clips of them fighting the alien vision, and and the aliens were actually grayish, but I guess maybe you know, in a quick blur, people thought they saw green. They thought there was going to be the scrolls, but yeah, no. It turns out we kind of got like a cannon fodder, you know, whatever. But yeah, yeah Chitari uh, were in the comic books, but they were like always just like a an afterthought. So they really were just like, shit, what do we have that we can use? Because they can't use the scrolls. They were kind of like, like you know how Star Trek is real hot and heavy over the Klingons. The the, Ch- the Chitari were probably like what the Romulans or something. Does Marvel yeah. does uh, Fox own the scrolls? Is that is that why? I believe so because I think scrolls would be with Fantastic Four. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, Loki. 
he starts doing his evil guy world tour where uh, he's he, he's he's basically committing these crimes wanting to be caught and he is by the Avengers Thor shows up he meets he meets Tony Stark or Iron Man and they have a fight and, and I don't know like the, the probably the first I would say half of this movie is coming up with excuses for the uh, Avengers to fight each other is that, would you guys say that's fair there's only like there's one fight scene before they kind of become the Avengers and there's another one later I guess with uh, uh. Thor and Hulk yeah, that's after, I mean that that's before they become the Avengers, though I would say. Yeah, so I guess those yeah. would be the. I mean, there's the there's the initial Iron Man, Captain America, Thor fight, and then there's a Thor Hulk one later. Well, there's a lot of bickering all throughout the movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and I want to talk about this too because I like I, I've had different feelings about this every time I watch the movie. So basically, Loki, you know, he plays it like like he's getting caught, you know, getting whatever capture. But he, obviously, it comes into play later on that he let them capture him. This was like in that two year span where every movie villain was getting caught on purpose. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it really was. And uh, so basically, you know, they put Loki in an airtight seal. They take, the, you know, this was our first introduction to the Helicarrier, which has been used many times more in the Marvel movies. You know, even on Agents of Shield, they had one recently. And uh, basically, you know, they're like, oh, you know, Nick Fury's like, oh, our big scientist minds, uh, you know, Tony Stark, uh, a banner, you know, just just look at this shit and figure out, you know, what is it? How can we harness it? How how can we turn into some more magic glowing bullshit? And basically what happens is Loki, you know, turns the Avengers against each other. Now, what what's your opinion on the way this all goes down on the helicarrier, how they turn on each other? Um, I always thought it was just Loki knew that these people were too combustible and their egos would get the better of them. But the more I watched this and watched it again recently, I started thinking that it was actually his scepter was influencing them and letting them kind of, you know, bring out the worst in them. Because there's even a part where Banner picks up the scepter and he's not even realizing it. What, what about you guys? Everybody weigh in. What do you personally think? That's what I thought, like, the first time I saw it, actually. Like, yeah, I've, I've always thought that the, the scepter yeah. has something to do with it. Because of the way it pans around and it shows the scepter and it does that weird, like, upside-down shot. Yeah, it gets it, it, it's a real weird crane shot, I don't know. So, all hell breaks loose. Basically, the Hulk becomes the Hulk. Banner becomes the Hulk. He starts tearing the ship apart. He, he tries to kill Black Widow. Uh, finally, Thor has to fight him to calm him down. Meanwhile, we're getting an onslaught of um, Loki's thugs, you know, including Hawkeye, who's been turned into a zombie. Th- this has proved very controversial. Which is just horrible. Yeah, let, let, let's hear about that a little bit. What did everybody think about Hawkeye? Which, keep in mind, we weren't really ever tr- introduced to his character. We, we saw literally like a weird 30-second cameo of Thor, but we never knew anything about this character. And right off the bat, the first scene in the movie, he's turned into a mindless zombie. Yeah, like, what's the point? Like, what is the point of, of even, like... Having him just yeah. to be kind of like, like another it. stand-in bad guy, you know? Yeah, it was like a bad why? way to introduce the character. Like, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good Hawkeye stuff in like the last twenty minutes when they finally knock him out and he gets out of it. But it's such a bizarre way to introduce that character to a I mean, because you know, Hawkeye to a general movie fan is they don't know him at all like the way they do Iron Man or Captain America even on any level. So I think a little more work needed to be done with a, in a previous movie if they were going to do that. 
Yeah, I, I almost think, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. And, and and by the way, um, you know, this is, you know, Joss Whedon made this film. Um, from what I understand, the script was pretty much written before he came on board, and he kind of just got to polish it up. So, I mean, who knows how much of the story he had control. So I'm not even going to, like, attack him and blame him and whatever. Like, like to me, Age of Ultron, his, his first really full as a creator Marvel movie. But um, I almost think it would have been better if they would have had Black Widow be the uh, evil, you know, turn into the evil zombie. Just because we knew her from previous films, we knew what her real personality was like, and to see her... Yeah, but then a bunch of feminists would go crazy. <laughs> well, the, uh, keep in mind, keep in mind, Bird, this was 2012 when this film came out. There were no feminists at that point in time yeah, on yeah, the they internet. Weren't, they, weren't, <laughs> they weren't invented yet. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were still working on dial-up back then. They couldn't <laughs> uh, perpetuate Twitter and whatever not for their crusades. So, yeah, so basically the helicarrier gets ripped apart, you know, from the infighting and as well uh, from this, you know, this attack of uh, Loki's minions to spring him out of the jail and all this. And uh, there's a very uh, important uh, scene here where Loki actually kills Agent Coulson, who was like, I would say he's mostly the um, comic relief and the connective tissue throughout all the previous films of, you know, kind of keeping shield's presence you know spread throughout these movies now i'm so go ahead i was gonna say that is a little controversial at least well when me and trev saw it because the way the movie plays out they make it sound like they team together to avenge colson yeah like, like yeah it's really weird know? i've always i've always hated that part where he says the, like for this to work they needed something to and he dies but you'd obviously realize he was going to say avenge but i was in my head like it's not enough that Loki's going to wipe out all of Earth. They just needed to avenge Phil Colston. I mean, the you... only one that really knows him is Tony Stark. Like, yeah, that's Thor true. knew him for like two days, and I don't think anyone else knew who he was. You know, I, I'm I'm so tired of, and, and we'll get into this more as we get through a couple more movies in this and the next episode. But I'm just I'm so tired of them, like killing. Killing people off but not doing it. Like, it just keeps yeah. happening over and over again. They keep, like, fake killing people off and in an attempt to, like, raise the stakes. But it really doesn't because they bring them all back. Well, Be it in the cinematic universe or in the TV universe or whatever. Like, I'm just tired of them I mean, pulling all that shit. Well, as like, far as I take know, away. Oh, I mean, well, we're not going to do as it. As someone who doesn't watch the TV shows, as far as I know, Coulson's dead, dead, dead. I would also argue that, like, first of all, I have, like, two responses to that. First of all, that actually makes it more like the comic books, because that is an annoying thing the comics do, too. No one really stays dead. But I, I will argue that, to their credit, I think when they killed Coulson and the Avengers, I really think they did, they did think they were killing him at that time. And if you guys remember what happened is there was a huge, like, fan movement that was like, oh, bring back Coulson after this movie. And I think that's what kind of fueled his character getting put back into the TV show. But I really think they were they were kind of ready to be done with him at that when they made the movie. I almost think I, 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 I do you know, I do exactly hear what you're saying, Trevor, about the fan movement. But I almost think just the, the decision maybe to even do the TV show, like they just realized, shit, we're going to need somebody recognizable from the movies to to kind of get this thing off the launching pad on TV. And I think that's maybe why they they brought him back. Yeah. 
But I don't think I think if they had known they were going to make that show when they made Avengers, they wouldn't have killed him. They would have figured out something else. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I, I think the you know the whatever you want to call it, we'll get to it when we talk about the show. But the resurrection or whatever, which was pre- pretty much was loosely the main plot point of the f- whole first season of Shield. Mm-hmm. You know, was I think all that was decided you know later on. Yeah. So yeah, so basically at this point in time. We have the Avengers rallying around, you know, the death of Coulson. They've been pushed too far at this point. And they all realize that, you know, this was all, you know, this whole charade that went on here, pitting them against each other and all this. It was like, you know, it it was a stalling tactic for Loki while he staged his invasion and also to weaken them so they couldn't stop the invasion from happening. So basically you have a... um, a portal that gets opened literally from Stark Tower with this machine and, you know, the Tesseract and whatnot. And uh, it basically just opens up like a black hole in space where alien army starts flying down, like, mostly on hover bikes, but there's also kind of large, I don't know, uh, snaky things, kind of something you would you see similar in, like, a Michael Bay Transformers movie. And they pretty much just start, you know, straight up just shooting and blowing up New York City and of course, the Avengers have to come, and you know they they turn the tide, and you know Loki gets his comeuppance, whatnot. But uh, I like I, I mean I one thing I will always give this film credit for is uh, I think this was maybe to this point like you know if not the best, probably the second best, definitely in the top three of Marvel action scenes. It seemed like they you know were willing to take it up a notch here, and I, and I guess it just kind of had that effect with. Um, all the different heroes and characters in it. Like, what did everybody think about the the New York invasion? I think if they hadn't delivered a good climax on this one, everything could have ended here. It could have really fallen apart. I think they really had to bring it on this one. And I do think yeah, that, yeah, like you said, just the, the mixture of the, the different characters and, you know, obviously a bigger budget. I know there was a big question at the time about how is Whedon going to handle a big action scene. Right. And uh, I think, you know, obviously a lot of that is, gets put more on the previs guys than Whedon. Right, but I think it, it works out pretty well here, and yeah, I think this was at the, at that time, like you said, the best climax of the Marvel movies. And it, I mean, it. I think one of the things it did, um, that uh, I think a lot of people were excited about is it really it showcased Hulk as a hero, and not just as the the you know the brainless rampaging brute we've seen we'd seen in two previous Hulk movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that got a lot of people really excited. I, I think, I mean, if you talk to people about their favorite moments, especially like coming out of the movie, they'd be like, oh, when, when Hulk beat up Loki or when Hulk did this and Hulk did that, you know, like everyone's favorite moments coming out of this movie were all Hulk. And I mean, he's mostly in the climax, you know, I mean, he's got that, that battle against Thor earlier on, but I mean, pretty much everyone thought the climax was what was awesome. Source, source widow. How, how did you pop a boner over this? Um, all I remember about this movie was that it was a very enjoyable popcorn movie, and in the three years since, I've had no desire to watch it again. Okay, not in that it wasn't good. I just, I just don't care. Like I just, like it was all right. Like I enjoyed it at the time. I really had fun watching it. It was a really fun movie. It certainly wasn't, you know, thick with layers of stuff. It was just, you know, a, a popcorn movie, and and I enjoyed it, but I just it, I haven't even thought to watch it again since then. Bird, what were you going to say before I rudely threw um, it to, to the horse? <laughs> I was going to say, uh, 
as far as the climax goes, that it utilizes the characters properly. Um, and uh, better than any of the X-Men movies, which still can't really seem to get it right, it yeah. really plays up like... And that goes for the new movie, too. It, it It's really good at showcasing the teamwork aspect of it. Um, I disagree on the better than the X-Men movies thing. What X-Men movie? Yeah, what, what movie in particular, Jelly, are you thinking of from the X-Men movies? Uh, First Class, for sure. Has some great okay. teamwork stuff. I think uh, the original movie actually has a lot of great teamwork stuff that people tend to overlook. I mean, the whole the whole thing that they do right at the very end is Thor has to... Or not Thor. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm all... I'm all uh I'm all Avengers here, but Storm has to has to use the wind, so Gene and then Gene steadies him and he hops up there to distract Magneto so that uh Cyclops can take the shot on Magneto and knock him out. I mean that's that's teamwork. That's like vintage. Okay, that's two movies out of like, teamwork. Out of like seven. Yeah, but you said it doesn't none of the X Men movies, and I'm just saying, you know credit where it's due to the couple that show it i i mean i think they tried jelly but 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 i I think i think kind of what bird's getting at is like i think almost all the avengers i mean obviously other than black widow and uh hawkeye are you know we know they're they're humans but just regular humans but like i don't know i like i almost feel like everybody is like equal everyone gets a signature moment and that's something for sure that the x-men movies haven't really done and cap Captain America calls the shots, which is accurate, and everyone everyone gets their their little moment where they they combine their abilities to 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 do something like whether it's uh, I don't know Iron Man bouncing beams off of Captain America's shield or whatever. So yeah, and in X Men, I don't know about you guys, but every time I watch an X Men movie. Is I always feel like it's uh, even the first movie, even though he's the outsider coming in. I always feel like it's the Wolverine show, and like everybody else is just playing back up to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, when in reality, in the comic books, I mean, you know, Wolverine's, you know, his skill set, his powers. I mean, you know, he's the fighter of the bunch, the brawler of the bunch. He's but... basically Wolverine is actually what how they use Hulk in the Avengers, right? You know, when they say like Hulk smash, that's kind of what you want Wolverine to do, right? Yeah, I just, I mean. I think it's it's fair to say that every Avenger gets like a shining moment in in this movie, and that that's not necessarily the case in the X Men movies. Like that's a fair critique to make, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, I think I think that's one thing. Like I think, you know, part of the reason, and I'm sure I'm sure it's a it's a fairly big part of the reason uh, why people liked this movie, and maybe even still really like this movie so much and i mean it's certainly part of why my first my first uh my first take on it was so positive is i walked into this movie thinking it was going to be a train wreck i mean you know even though we heard a lot of positive things coming out of it it has a long running time it you know everyone was like oh is it just going to be like the uh the the Robert Downey Jr. show because he's like the, you know, the most popular one and, you know, his movies were the most successful so far and everyone loves Iron Man and everything is just going to be the Iron Man show. You know, everyone went into this movie really thinking like, I think hoping it would be good, but thinking it was probably going to be bad. And, and just because of what it was and no one had ever attempted anything like this before. And for, for this movie to then deliver on like giving every, every hero their signature moment and, 
you know, treating them all fairly equally. I mean, you know, no one ever looks at, at Black Widow or Hawkeye at any point in the finale and goes, hey, you better just get the hell out of here because you can't even help. Like, I mean, it, it for it to just do that, for it to be able to juggle all those balls and, and come out, you know, not being a complete train wreck, I think people really thought was awesome. And I, I think that gave people a really positive look on the film the first time they saw it i know that's what, like i went in thinking it was going to be bad and and coming out being like really really pleasantly surprised yeah i, I was i was really hyped up on the movie just because i like i pretty much liked every marvel movie that came out before this one and and like this one i was like insanely disappointed like with this movie, you hated this movie. oh i i walked out and like literally for like the next probably a day and a half i had i was in such a bad mood like i didn't really dig all the infight you know like i wanted to see them be heroic and i don't know and like the one thing like i've seen this movie now a total of at least five times and, like, the one thing that still, like, never really sits with me is, like, is, like, we were talking about before the whole, <laughs> the whole thing with Coulson and, and they needed his death to motivate him. And I just always found it real corny that, you know, and granted, like, there was some Loki, you know, whatever, magic going on and stuff like that. But I just never bought in, dramatically, I never bought in that the Avengers weren't going to become the Avengers and they weren't going to fight. I mean, you know, Tony Stark, whatever differences he had with Nick Fury, like, what, I mean, what was he going to do? He's going to walk away and then literally the aliens were like the ground zero for the alien invasion was Stark Tower. Was he just going to try to sit in his little fucking skyscraper and pretend like, you know, aliens it's, weren't it's jumping a, on his head? It's weird because, like, actually, even before the Coulson death, there's a better scene that kind of hits at what you're saying, Goat, where I, I exactly agree with you because it, when a crisis happens, they're going to rise to the occasion no matter what. And I really like the moment in the scene where they're Stark and Captain America are just kind of fighting and the, he keeps uh, – Cap keeps taunting him saying, put on the suit, put on the suit. And then that bomb goes off and he says, put on the suit again but in a different tone. And they just kind of like go, yep. And then they just go to it and start instantly helping each other. And that's, like, before Coulson's death. And that just felt to me like, yeah, of course, now they're the Avengers. So what do we need this extra element for? Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It just never sat well for me, and especially when it, it, you know, dramatically in this film. It's it's like, you know, because, like we said, the alien invasion is in the whole concept that it's even going to happen. Like, we know Loki's pulling some shit, but this large-scale alien invasion, it's not even really, like, set up or telegraphed to us. But it's kind of just, like... Like, like I don't know, like, we know these characters. It would have been different if we just started Avengers, you know, movie and, and we never had any previous movies. But we know these characters. We know they're all heroes. We know, you know, aside from Stark, who kind of had, like, a, you know, whatever, a journey from a jerk to a true hero. Other than him, these are true right from the get-go, you know heroes and the idea that they wouldn't you know that they wouldn't work together they wouldn't whatever i mean who cares about shield i mean and i understand them you know at some point in the story wanting to walk away from shield and stuff but it's like um i don't know like like i just never bought into that even for a second that that would be a possibility you know what i mean that they, that they would not fight this you know alien onslaught killing innocent people you know it's partly and i'll, I'll admit it but i mean and i i think it's safe to say i'm the biggest whedon fan out of this group but I mean, partly it's a, it is just a weird element to have a death in a film. You know, he's got that reputation. He's like another George R. R. Martin where he loves killing off characters. And it's something he's done to great effect in his TV work. I mean, I'll defend every one of the big deaths in Buffy and Angel and, and Serenity and Firefly as actually being meaningful. But when he tries it here in this film, the problem is, like I said, Coulson's only kind of been little comic relief up until this point. So it's maybe not as moving as I think they were hoping for. 
I mean, I remember, be, I remember being shocked when the moment happened in the in the movie, but then go, but then instantly going like, oh, yep, Joss Whedon made this. Someone was going to die, of course. Yeah, I, I think if they really wanted to kind of hang their hat on dramatically what they're going for, I almost think it needed to be somebody of more importance, like uh, like Nick Fury or something. <laughs> I don't know, but. But you know, but uh, oh, don't worry, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have the go around with that. But yeah, so I mean, I don't know. Just in general, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I talked about my disappointment or whatever. But but just can you guys remember what your initial reactions were? I mean, because you have to understand, this was a movie for was it four years in the hyping? How did it live up to your overall expectations of what you thought an Avengers film was going to be? Um, I already, I already said mine, so yeah. you know, I said. I, really I would say it, so. I would say I was I was satisfied with it. The first few times I watched it, the first act really was kind of a chore to get through. Um, but that's something that I've just kind of um, kind of uh, been I don't know conditioned to not mind as much on future or on subsequent viewings. Just it doesn't bother me. Like it used to. It used to really bother me how clunky the beginning, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes was. But now, I don't know. I can Now I can just sit back and enjoy it, really. It, it doesn't bother me as much. So I like it more now than I did when it came out. Yeah, I, I definitely like it a lot more now. And, and I think, and, and you know, I, I think every uh, Marvel film, and this is to their credit, every Marvel film that I've been disappointed with in the series like I ended up appreciating it more later on once it kind of became part of the whole big story and not you know it, it, in a weird way it's it's kind of hard to even judge you know some of these films right when they come out because there could be you know plot elements or whatever that that change things later on and make you kind of see it differently down the line one th- one thing that I think that is really weird after rewatching this movie so many times over the last 3 years or so is out of all the Marvel movies, really, this is the one that seems more like a Disney uh, big budget blockbuster. Just kind of like it really reminds me. Like it seems like it's really in the mold to me of like the John Carter movie and like even like the Lone Ranger and stuff. And it's interesting because it wasn't even made under the Disney regime. Like they acquired Marvel like literally after this movie was shot, so they didn't have much influence at all if any at all over it but it still feels the most disney-esque to me out of all the marvel movies i don't i don't know if anybody else ever had that feeling i mean i don't know if this is what you mean but i do think that and there was obviously a lot of talk about at the time too uh, we were talking about how great the action is at the end but other than that it's it doesn't really have a very cinematic look that's for sure we right. still Whedon was still very much a tv director at this point i think it's something he clearly worked on a lot before the second avengers film but this one there's a lot of sequences that just kind of have a flat like washed out look to them and he wasn't really trying very much dynamic with the camera or with angles and stuff like that yeah it just like not in a bad way not in a way that it i wouldn't even say like it seems cheap or anything but it's just kind of like it just has more of that generic uh, blockbuster look whereas like the other films like like they they had you know they had the color schemes and you know like like even something like incredible hawk or iron man 2 like they they had a lot of stylish scenes to them but but yeah, yeah. It, i mean we were coming off of captain america too which was very stylized yeah so. for the time period and whatnot mm-hmm. so yeah so that's it for the avengers i wanted to make sure we got every last lick in on it considering it really is something that's the uh, captain america suit sucks in this movie 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, let's talk about. It. I actually like it, and for the simple fact that it seems like it's the only iteration of the costume that really is willing to put red into it. Like I really dig the red boots and the red uh, gloves. Like the rest of it I is kind of. I like. You know, yeah, I like the red boots and the red gloves, but I don't really like the the torso part of it. It looks yeah. like a hoodie. Yes. Like, from like. Yeah, hot topic or something like. Yeah. Well, I think he literally does have a hood, doesn't he? Like when he's yeah. <laughs> when he's in the helicarrier talking and stuff. There's like, and I, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be like his helmet that he would pull up, or if it was just like an undergarment that he would wear under the helmet. You know what I mean? You know, we probably shouldn't move on without talking about uh, Ruffalo replacing. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but by all means, before we move on, if if anybody's got any stones to unturn, do, do it. Yeah, let's talk about Mark Ruffalo. I, I like. I like him quite a bit as Banner, but I mean, I like I think I said this last time. I still there's still a part of me that just wishes it was Norton, just for pure continuity's sake, and just because I like Norton more. But I remember being really nervous about that change and really kind of just upset about it. And I'll say he won. I'd, I'd say he won me over in the film. I, I do like his interpretation of it. I wish Captain America was here because I know he doesn't like it at all. But uh, I think Ruffalo's pretty good. Ruffalo plays up the science geek uh, Banner a lot more, which I like. Yeah, I mean, that's also something to do with the script, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say one thing. That was one thing that, like, really kind of, if I had any chip on my shoulder going into this, like, I just felt like it was such a mistake. You know, we talked about it in the previous episode when we did the Incredible Hulk uh, period there, but um, it just seemed like such a mistake. Um, this is the third appearance of the Hulk in a, in a movie, and it's the third actor playing it. It just it felt weird and wrong going into it, you know what I mean? But, um, I don't know. I like Ruffle a lot as an actor, and I kind of learned to, like, whatever after this movie, you know, accept him in the role. But seeing him in Avengers 2, not that he did anything wrong or bad, but, like, I don't know. It's just weird. And I think a big part of it for me is it's weird, and I wish they didn't do it, but I like some dissociation between Banner and the Hulk. Like, I like it being, like, a monster that you transform into. And I really don't like that you can see so much of uh, Ruffalo's face yeah, in the Hulk. Yeah, that's why I liked uh, the design in the Incredible Hulk, because it yeah. didn't look like Edward Norton. I don't yeah. I don't like that he looks like Mark Ruffalo either. Yeah, I don't mind I really that. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the, I don't know why, but I don't mind it. And it I mean, I, don't, I think I don't... I don't know if this is... This might be it, Jelly, but I think the reason I like it is not so much that it looks like Ruffalo. It's that more that they're letting the actor actually perform the part now. So we're getting like a more, we're getting a better Hulk performance. It's not just completely CGI. So whether it's, I mean, yeah, it looks more like him and maybe that's a little odd, but at least the actor is getting to like do the face and, and do the actual motions and the expressions. I wish there was a way to do Hulk that was a little less cartoony. I agree. I thought they mocapped it in uh, Incredible Hulk, too. Yeah, you, you know what's weird about that? Not to the degree they did in Age of Ultron, though. Yeah, you, you know what's weird about that bird is I watched the special features on the Hulk uh, Blue, and I saw all this behind-the-scenes footage of uh, Tim Roth and the couple stunt guys who were, like, doing his moves and stuff and the stuff for the Abomination. Like, they had Roth do all the facial stuff for the Abomination, but I don't remember seeing any clips of uh, Norton doing the facial stuff for the. Hulk. As far as I know, honestly, as far as I know, he didn't because I swear, like when they, I, I when they made Age of Ultron, I feel like they said that this was the first time that the that the actor has done everything, has like completely played Banner and the Hulk. There is a way, you know, to go back to what Source interjected. Like I think there is a way to make it look less cartoony, but then I think 
honestly, it would be more jarring when he did like the crazy things that Hulk does, like jump up a building in a single bound and stuff. Because like it, um, I think like you could do it like you know something like uh, where the wild things are type of effects, where you'd have like a combination of CG and like a huge suit, and you know maybe it look more tactile and like less cartoony. But then it would look really jarring when like he would jump up a building and punch a giant monster in the face and have it crushed because that would be 100% CG then you I know? mean there's so, something like, about how overpowered Hulk seems to be too just in he's general. supposed to be and he's I, the Hulk man I, I understand that he's the Hulk but like it's kind of insane sometimes the angrier Hulk gets the stronger Hulk's gets what are you talking about source that's like do you want to complain now about how nice Captain America is I don't know he just seems too nice <laughs> yeah that's I, not even a similar complaint it's not like even it's that Superman's too overpowered though I mean it, it that's you, that's the character yeah shut up I, I think I think also too kind of what so, was speaking to sources I think it would be like a little more um I don't know. I mean, I hate to sound stupid, say realistic, but I think you would buy into what the Hulk is doing as being so like outrageous. If maybe it looked a little more real, whereas I feel like the Incredible Hulk. I mean, it was clearly CGI. You know, it didn't look practical, but I felt like they took a lot more care in the Incredible Hulk movie to do a lot of shots of him from a distance and with really. Um, like really detailed lighting effects on him, whereas I feel like now, like they really let you see him transform close up in the camera, and they really keep the camera a lot closer, and it it just kind of blaringly it looks like a cartoon and it behaves like a cartoon. If that makes any I mean, sense, remind so it, me, remind me if if anyone knows or not. But like in in the Incredible Hulk movie, the Norton movie, like is he like running up the side of buildings and shit like that, or is that just an Avengers thing? He could. Because I remember that. I remember like the Ang, Ang Lee Hulk was like leaping twenty tens of hundreds of miles in a single bound and shit like that. Like in the yeah, yeah. he's the Hulk. Hulk does that stuff, man. Yeah, it's silly. Yeah, Hulk I mean, smash. Hulk, do what Hulk got to do. I think it was toned down a lot, yeah, in the, in the Incredible Hulk movie because they made him smaller. And, and, like, the only thing I really think of is maybe towards the end where he was trying to get to the abomination and he was kind of jumping from rooftop to rooftop, but he wasn't, like, straight scaling that shit straight up a building or whatever from what I remember. Just, just saying. Nobody yeah. has problems with it except you. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm not even going to say it. Onward. Next. <laughs> All right. So are, are we finally banging the gavel that's, on the Avengers that, here? Yeah, that's phase one in the can. Oh, that's right. That, the big capper right there. Now, Trev, I can't remember what we decided. Uh, did we want to go into the shield now or just save it for no, after? I, I think if we if we do it by the way it would have had, like, uh, next would be Iron Man 3, and then we can go right. into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. So, uh, next, next we're finally putting uh, – I'm, I'm getting ahead of ourselves here, but t- – we're going to talk about Iron Man 3. That feels more like the end of Phase 1 to me, personally. It's weird, because, I, I mean, I've, we've had this discussion before, and we're probably going to have it again as we get into, um, uh, well, I mean, maybe not, I don't know, but this whole Phase thing seems yeah. so, it doesn't really seem like it means much to me. I don't know, I know that they keep saying, like, each yeah. one ends with an Avengers film, but now they're even throwing that off to where, like, Ant-Man is just some weird, like, they're saying it's the Phase 2 epilogue. Yeah. But I, I just don't really think these phases really mean as much as they as they act like they do. They're really just a marketing tool and a way to box them into a DVD set. I agree with that. I mean, I, I think the whole phase thing meant something leading up to the first Avengers movie. But once you're past the first Avengers movie, you know, I don't know. 
Yeah, it, it's it's always just going to be a, con- a consistently moving forward storyline at this point. Yeah, and I mean, and in cor- exactly, that's how I feel. Because according to them, Iron Man 3 is the beginning of Phase 2, but the whole kind of backstory of Iron Man 3 is Tony dealing with what happened in Avengers, so it, I don't know, it doesn't, yeah. you know... Yeah, I know. it doesn't feel like there's much dis- distance between the quote unquote phases there. Source Widow, I I, uh, I looked up Hulk power for you and jeez, uh... oh, <laughs> Sor- yeah. Source, I always thought of you as such a you, you know I don't know you know go with the flow kind of guy. When did you become so cantankerous? Was it all those months not having real toilet paper? What happened? It's a combination of that and the combination of having to deal with this asshole all the time. Oh my gosh, you you uh, you don't want to. If if you want to keep your sanity, you don't want to Google Hulk power and then go to the image search because um, you'll see things you'll th- you'll see things like Hulk boner killing people. He has Stonehenge <laughs> powers. I'm doing it right now. Hulk boner killing people. Yeah. What? Uh, I think I think it's I think the I don't know. <laughs> What's it's happening? Hulk, it's Hulk with what a boner. Happening? In some girl, and then she's spewing blood out of her mouth. It's. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I did image no, search. No, that. I gotta look I'm for not, this. I'm not seeing what you're seeing. <sighs> now I gotta send this to you guys on our Facebook <laughs> Messenger. <laughs> Let's see this. Let's see this. Did you use Google, Jelly? I used Google. Okay. And what did you put? Hulk powers? Hulk power. Okay. Can we talk about Iron Man three? <laughs> yeah, my brain is fried. We're we're moving straight to Iron Man three. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Iron Man three. Uh, I tell you what, I, the, the oh God, that's gross. The ba- the back to back doozy <laughs> of uh, the Avengers and Iron Man three almost knocked me off the stank of Marvel movies, and I'm glad it didn't. But Iron Man three, I feel like they were trying to make a, a really different type of movie here. And basically, Iron Man 3 opens up. Tony Stark, psychologically, is very um, affected by the you know, the events of the end of Avengers, where basically he flew a nuclear missile up into the, the black space hole, blew up the alien invasion. But there, the way it was done dramatically, it seemed like he wasn't going to make it back through the hole in time, or that his suit would seize up and he would die. And, uh, of course, he didn't, but now he's traumatized. For the first time, we see Tony Stark lose his cool. And just before we get any further into anything, right off the bat, w- was this a change to the character that you guys were looking for, more serious, you know, that you enjoyed this more serious kind of Tony Stark here? I didn't mind that at all. Uh, there, I, there's a lot of other stuff in the movie. Yeah, my beefs with the like, issue are but... totally different than I'm probably. I think it's. I, I even think it's kind of misleading to say it's like more serious because I feel like it's still a very jokey film. I mean, yeah, he's got PD, PTSD in this, but I don't but think. Are you it's, speaking I, it, specifically of Trevor Slattery, or you know, it's very serious from the Tony Stark standpoint? I feel like. Yeah, I'm just talking about Stark's character, just what he's going through, like. Really I slow. guess, but I don't feel like that. I mean, especially when they put him together with the little kid, I feel like he's still there's still a lot of the stark humor there. I don't think the movie ever. I, I don't know. It's, there's almost like a part of me that argues like I would almost be willing to see an even more serious Stark because you know we've talked about before how all these Marvel films have a a big level of humor running through them, and I think that's still definitely true here because it's still at the end of the day a Shane Black movie, and Shane Black can can never write it completely serious without that level of cynicism and humor running through. Uh, the stuff with Stark dealing with his his 
personal and emotional issues that that's the that's to me that's the best stuff in here um i i honestly the store the 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 rest of the storyline with the exploding lava people and all the mandarin stuff and extremists this and whatever that like honestly the the storyline of this movie really doesn't do much for me at all but the the thing that can make me watch it and and enjoy it is is uh is uh all that stuff with about tony stark as a character um everything else in this really doesn't do much for me unfortunately and i mean i guess i can talk a little bit more about that later but I don't know. I mean, to answer Goat's question, no, that that's that's the best stuff in here. I think. Yeah, this movie falls victim to other issues. The end of this movie kind of sucks. Oh yeah, the end of a lot of the Marvel movies kind of. No, suck. but this one is is. Blech. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, I, but, uh, I I'm just gonna say right now, I like the end of this movie. Yeah, but you're oh, you're the get worst. Out. Basically, what we have here is we have Tony um, working on a uh, a new form of his armor, a version of the armor that another thing that knocked me off the thing of this movie is. What do you guys think about this new armor? I think it looks like pure shit. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's it's, oh, yeah. it's mostly tan colored, not even gold. Tan colored. Did anybody really? I mean, Trev, is there a, a you know a reference point from the comics or something about this armor and the way that it looks that that I didn't get? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, if I, I'm going to just say there probably is. Like, the reason I can't honestly answer that is because Iron Man has never been a comic series that I've read consistently in Marvel. Like, I, I come into it during like, events and stuff, but it's not like X-Men or other books that I've always read. But I will say that one thing that was that was accurate to this point was that in the comics at this point also, he was just creating new suits all the time. So, I mean, there's no, there's no consistent Iron Man suit anymore. He's a tinkerer. He's right. always uh, changing different things. And even in this one, we see like that he's built a bunch of new suits. And the insinuation is that, especially after New York, he's trying to create multiple suits that each one will suit a different kind of purpose. Like, it's no, he no longer feels like one suit of armor is good enough. He needs to have every possibility he needs to have. It kind of reminds me of those Batman toys that they used to come out with that didn't make any sense to the movies or cartoon, where it'd be like, here's Desert Batman, and here's Winter Batman. It's like, what the fuck does he need those for? Yeah. And that's how, that's how kind of Iron Man is now, where it's like, Oh, I need a suit that's just designed to lift heavy things, and I need a suit that's designed to go through fire. And so, and I did look up. Uh, I found a picture, by the way, um, and now I'm sure it's not exhaustive, but it's got 38 comic version, wow. uh, like comic book version Iron Man suits, and they are all. I mean, except for the ones that are like, like uh, gray or black, because or even silver. Because, uh, right, wasn't that the thing in Iron Man 2 is he had a silver suit, right? Yeah, the portable They're, they're suit. all definitely gold. None of them are tan. Yeah. It's just, it's it's really weird. I find it visually a really, and especially the fact that he sticks with this suit for the whole time. You know, it just, I found it whacking. Uh, I, I mean, I know I sound like, you know, fucking whatever nerd coming, you know, saying this. But, um. No, this I, suit sucks. It's fair to say. Did, did anybody else just think it was like. And I understand the point of this suit was, you know, he puts these sensors in his skin so that the pieces of the suit can fly to him, you know, when he can't walk through the little machine that puts the suit on him. But did anybody else just find it so corny that every single little tiny piece of this suit would have to have 
a rocket built into it so it could fly to him. Like, I totally didn't even understand, like, okay, where's the fuel that's fueling all these little rockets to, to make it fly to him? Like, I really think they, like, dropped the ball here in that, like, I, I, I mean, I like this film, obviously, more than all of you do, but I think they did like drop it. the ball on that. When they, especially the fact that this movie does deal with extremists, and, I mean, uh, one of the more popular Iron Man comic book stories at this time was Iron Man Extremists. And that's the story where he actually developed a new technology where the suit is always inside him. Right. It's, like, made out of, like, uh, nanobots that it are comes out his through skin. His pores. And, and yeah, it yeah. comes out through his pores and forms around him. And I really thought that's where they were going in this film. I mean, I went into the theater thinking, like, that's what we were going to see. And instead, they kind of chickened out and went this this version that just forms around him. Um, I, I, I still, I still wish they would do that. that. I mean, at this point, you don't think so? I don't think. I, they, don't, I mean, I don't think so. I think it, now they would. Hopefully, they would be now after like Age of Ultron, because what can't like as corny well, as everything they is didn't now? Even think they were ready to have the uh, the actual Mandarin in this exactly. movie? So I mean, they they. Well, that's they, more. They were, I think that's probably more of a racism issue. But <laughs> but, uh, but 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 Trev, I mean, this kind of you know getting to it before we get to it. But what you're talking about with with the armor there, I thought that's what they were setting up. In the in Ultron, in terms of that that whatever that new nanobot technology is that can repair like wounds or whatever, I thought yeah. that I thought they were going to lead that into Stark being able to I have know, that. I know I keep extremist. waiting for them to do it, and like they just it seems like one leap they don't want to make for some reason. Yeah, it's very strange. So basically, there's this worldwide terrorist named the Mandarin who was uh, just doing all kind. Of, I don't even know what he's doing. I just see fake <laughs> news reports <laughs> just in this movie telling telling us that he's a bad guy and he basically you know he he, he releases a uh, almost almost like a isis type video he releases a, a video and then he's going to do something and then i guess shit blows up somewhere and happens <laughs> and um i mean am i shortchanging it here i mean is it really i mean i've seen this movie three times now and it, the mandarin whole thing is like kind of vague to me but um but yeah it so, kind of seemed to come out of nowhere yeah, so you know, like this guy's apparently been like you know raining terror down in the world, well, but like I mean, we've never you, heard anything wanna, about it. If you're trying not to to put the cart before the horse, then yeah, it's confusing. But like, if you just want to come out and spoil it, and I mean, who the hell cares if you haven't seen this yeah, movie this by now? Old. He's he's taking credit for explosions, but what's really happening is this other guy is making lava people as as. Yeah. Uh, Bird so eloquently put it, um, and these lava people are exploding because they're unstable. So the Mandarin will like take credit for the explosion. Yeah, he's a cover story essentially. And like basically, this is where dramatically this film fails to me. Is you have uh, what's Favreau's character in Happy? Is that yeah, his name? Hogan. Yeah, yeah Happy, ha- Hogan. Happy Hogan. He solves the mystery within the first 30 minutes of this movie, but he conveniently gets blown up and put into a coma so he can't tell Tony what is happening. So then Tony solves the mystery on his own, and there's like a big reveal scene in a cable news truck where Tony <laughs> figures out what's happening, which I felt like when Tony figures out what's happening, it's just an even more detailed, exp- you know, spelling it out explanation to the audience what this technology is that making people blown up when we clearly knew because we, we saw happy solve the mystery earlier in the film did anybody else even see even these seen this film two other times since the theater i still feel like that's the clunkiest explaining away of <laughs> exposition in, in any of these films i feel like the whole movie is clunky so fair enough 
So, <laughs> so, so basically, Tony issues an open challenge to the Mandarin to come to his house and blow it up. And guess what happens? The, well, the Mandarin, but it, the Mandarin's lackeys come to his house and blow it up. Um, this, 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 this is like the trailer. I don't know. This like they really went with the trailers for this movie, trying to make it look like it was Christopher Nolan's Iron Man three with his house blown up. Or whatever. What, did, did everybody dig this action sequence here? There's a great moment in this action sequence that I really like that I feel like doesn't get enough credit, and it's the moment where, and this this does play into the one advantage of having the suit that has the multiple parts that can fly, mm-hmm. is I, I really do like that in the moment the house gets hit, that his first instinct is to put the suit on Pepper and not himself. Right. I think that's just a really quick, nice character moment that really plays well. And I think some people even miss it, because I've heard people say that they think like the suit misses him and goes on Pepper, no. but it's clear that, no, he's sending it to Pepper, and that's yeah, like his very first like... instinct. Doesn't he say something or I mean he does something that 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 tips you off that he's definitely sending it to Pepper and I forget yeah. I forget the exact thing he does but he Don't he's, forget he's, before that he gives her a gigantic bunny with boobs. Exactly. <laughs> Cuz I, I don't know if we pointed out this film even though it was released in May it had to be Christmas themed. Those are arms you clown. <laughs> I know but they look like boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that like the that set had become kind of iconic, and then even like those two little robots, like Dummy and uh, yeah. what the hell's the other one called? Um, well, that whatever. Means. Like, yeah, I they, know that. He always calls the one Dummy, and I think he calls the other one something else. But Dummy. it's weird. Like, I almost felt like that's almost more emotional to me than Coulson going because <laughs> it's like, oh, I really like the way that house looked in the other films, and you know, we've seen these as like side characters that have actually been around and had more screen time almost. Very true. So, yeah, so basically what we have is um, Tony's house is destroyed. All the suits he was working on was destroyed, right? They're all destroyed. So, basically, he basically loses the fight. He makes her Pepper and, and the scientist girl that was there, they're safe. But basically, he, you know, he goes into autopilot and he flies away and he crash lands into Tennessee for a chance for Marvel to really save on the budget here. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much not have Iron Man in the majority of the rest of the movie. Where he kind of picks up, what, an eight-year-old boy as a sidekick. And they kind of slowly start to uh, recharge and rebuild the uh, the Iron Man suit off a car battery. I don't know. I, did, I, did, I never really bought that part of it either. <laughs> so, so we get Tony fighting the lava people. We get Tony uncovering the mystery. He solves it. And then basically, you know, the the Mandarin and his evil plots, he uh, kidnaps the president. Uh, was it the president or the vice president? The Williams he kidnaps Island? the president. Vice president. No, he kidnaps the president. Okay. The vice president, the vice president is in on it. Ends up being a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I do have to say Will Sadler and Miguel Fair is quite the, the, the ticket. <laughs> yeah, that is, true. I would, that is true. I would vote for them for sure. <laughs> what was their platform that they ran on being old and drunk looking the whole time <laughs> but anyway so yeah so you have that and meanwhile tony he you know he he doesn't have a fully operational suit he's trying to you know charge his thing up with a car battery he has some runs-ins with the lava people and then he solves a mystery and he's trying to like get to the man behind the scenes he's trying to get to the mandarin directly to stop all these nefarious evil doings and uh, I don't know who, who who wants to talk about this reveal, the re- big reveal of Iron Man three. Because I don't, I honestly, I really don't even want to talk about it. You don't uh, want to talk about it because the, you have a problem with it, or it's just I'm. Well, first of all, I'm going to slam it is very hard because I had a huge problem with this. So I want somebody a little more objectively to talk. Ben about Ben Kingsley 
who's been the Mandarin throughout the majority of this film uh, is revealed to be an actor named Trevor Slattery. Uh, so he goes from having this, and it, he goes from having this weird, uh, indefinable accent where he's like, "Fortune cookies are a thing that we use to eat." And he goes from that to being, uh, oh, I'm Trevor Slattery and I'm just an actor. Um, in a scene that I don't think I would mind as much if it wasn't so heavy on goofball, like, Slapstick? WWE level here. Yeah. You know, it's... like, oh, he took a poop. Isn't it so funny? Um but like, so he's revealed to be a cover. Uh, he basically is like he's an actor. He's a, he's been out of work or whatever, and somehow um, Guy Pierce's character found him and was like, "Hey, I need you to play this character," and has kind of like tricked this guy into playing this character um, because he's like he doesn't even believe that he's actually killing people when he's killing people. He thinks that they're like all special effects and stuff because he's this like completely just vapid actor because Budweiser is that strong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so it, he's been a, he's been a puppet this whole time. And, and the real, you know, the real threat, the real Mandarin is, uh, is Guy Pierce's character. I can't remember his, his character's name in this. Killian Aldrich. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, who was was a nerd at one time and now he's cool when he's got a spray tan and, yeah, he's super sexy because he's got yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's yeah. a lava man now. Yeah, um, lava man. Yeah, and just I don't know, like the thing that really kind of you know because as we know, John Favreau exited you know as a director, he acted in this film, but as a writer, as a director, he kind of really exited the Marvel universe. And I feel like they were setting up the whole Ten Rings thing so early, even in the first Iron Man film, that that's why I really had a problem with this. And and, and the Mandarin is really known as the you know the biggest and most important. Iron Man villain and to kind of just piss it away in this way yeah. and, and just you know I I don't know like I mean I don't know it, it, I think I think it's you know for me too like the big my big complaint is not even that they changed who the Mandarin is like I don't I don't really care that right. that uh, Guy Pierce is like I'm the Mandarin because the Mandarin of the comics is a dated like world war two era stereotype type of thing you know yeah. like there's ways to make characters cool but cool though. well yeah but i mean so like I mean, mr freeze I mr freeze was an awful character until the batman animated series re- reinvented yeah, so like it. i mean i don't care if they if they want to change it to to uh guy pierce but like to, to just completely abandon the whole 10 rings thing yeah um it just was weird it just, yeah it just really see i don't know like i mean I feel like so. Would you guys would you guys have been okay if the movie was the same, but then they had one additional like story beat that showed that Guy Pierce had actually been behind the Ten Rings as well? Yes. I didn't really have as big a problem with this whole thing as everybody else did, though. I didn't either because like I'm with Jelly in that I don't really like the Mandarin as a villain. Like I've gone back and read old stories of the Mandarin, and even beyond the fact that it would that it's horribly outdated and and a racist caricature, he's just not a very interesting villain either. So I mean. I was actually pretty down with them changing him into more of like an Osama bin Laden type terrorist. And then when I saw the film and I, you know what the thing is, this is the weird thing is I get why people can be upset about that. Cause there's villains that I like a lot that I would, I'd probably admittedly, I'd be mad if they did this, 
But since it's a character I didn't care about, I thought it was kind of a unique and brave twist to be like, it's no, this has, been like, this has been like a lie, yeah, and it's actually just this like cover, and he doesn't really exist. I, I kind of yeah. think it sucks that I wish Guy Pierce didn't say, I'm the Mandarin at the end. I think that's part of the problem. Is I, don't, I just want to think, like, if you're going to have the balls to do it, then just go all the way and say, no, it always was just a complete you know, lie this whole time. Well, they wouldn't wreck, they wouldn't messed up that too. Cause with that, they retconned it in the short yeah. film. Yeah, they retconned it because of people like you and Goat bitching about it. Well, my, okay, my my thing. Okay, what is the Mandarin like? Let's you know, we understand it's a racist thing. I think you could easily, you know, what whether the Mandarin would be an Asian person, whether he be somebody from Middle East, whatever. I feel like we had the opportunity. Because the Mandarin has, you know, ten magic rings, whatever. We had the opportunity to kind of meld the comic book universe with the, the cinema universe here, where we had all this alien technology drop from the sky. We could easily have the Mandarin be somebody who was super powered from this. You know, his rings could have been alien technology. We could have had somebody who physically, and that's a problem too. In order to kind of prop up this whole lava people, whatever mess of a villain storyline we have in this film we had a really weakened tony and what his armor was we had him have a a suit that basically wasn't working wasn't weaponized you know throughout the whole movie we had him basically out of the suit give me the full powered mandarin make him a new character whatever amalgamation of the comic and this whatever you know the building blocks were there to make a super powered villain for iron man that would have lasted you know for a couple because i feel i really feel like you know, the villains, I almost feel like we were on a Tim Burton, Sam Raimi-esque path here with killing off all the villains or having two lightweight villains throughout the series. And that's what we really could have done with the manor was had a real villain, you know, because let's, let's be honest, as far as real villains in the Marvel Universe, yeah, we have Thanos, he hasn't really shown up yet, but we have Loki who keeps getting used time and time again. We The Marvel Universe needed a real threat here we needed to set you know it's iron man 3 which is really iron man 4 because he was in the avengers it was about time we set up a true long-lasting foe and it, just for it to be this disposable character killing aldrich whatever which i don't even mind if they just would have had this whole movie just be all the lava shit but it's like i don't know they had a chance to do a cool character and they went the disposable route it's, that's my real right like, do you, i mean i see what you're saying but do you think there's a part of it that when you say when i hear you say they needed to create like a long-lasting foe do you think there's a part of it where they just didn't care what they did with the Mandarin because they always thought this is the last Iron Man film? Yeah, because Downey Downey was really talking about that, and as we all know now, it was probably mostly a ploy to get more money. But also, he got seriously hurt on this film. They had to use a lot of, you know, kind of like what they obviously not to the extreme, but they had to do a lot of the same stuff they had to do with Paul Walker for the for uh, Fast and Furious Seven. Um, like when you watch the end scene on the cliff and all that, like from what I understand, none of that is really. Uh, Downey Jr. because his ankle was so fucked up or whatever. But, um, I mean, I do think that's what it was. But I, I think it was a misstep. Because, like, I mean, even in the Thor world, and we'll get to it with what they did with Malekith, I mean, I don't know. It's like, and even Guardians of the Galaxy with Ronan Accuser, like, can you really afford to constantly throw away every single villain? I understand there's some that are like, this isn't strong enough, this character isn't strong enough to keep lasting through multiple films, but. I just feel like at some point, like, you're going to run out of cheesy bad guys to throw away. And then on top of it, if they're all disposable bad guys, we're never going to feel the real threat in the long run. Well, you never going to get that good payoff either where, like, you know, especially with the, I mean, these movies are going on for for forever, you know? I mean, there's there's no stopping. And I, I, I definitely agree of, like, like, 
whenever whenever the Thor and Loki story finishes, like it's gonna feel satisfying because Loki's now been uh, an antagonist through like a main antagonist through two movies, and then sort of like a side kind of antagonistic un- unreliable ally in in another movie. Like Loki's been around the block. You know, it's like when whenever that story finally gets finished, it's gonna be like, oh, this was a, a satis. Well, hopefully, it's a satisfying co- conclusion. But you're gonna be like, oh yeah, like that's that character, like that's been around the block. Like when 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 Ronan the Accuser gets gets vaporized, or when uh, you know dark elves get buildings dropped on them, or uh, Aldrich Killian or Killian Aldrich gets blown up by Pepper Potts, you're like, I don't yes. fucking care. Um, but now I do want to ask Trevision, can you possibly defend the reveal scene of Trevor Slattery? I mean, come on. The scene, I mean, you just talked about the the tone of the scene. Yeah, the poop jokes. I I agree with you that I don't like the poop jokes. I mean, I do like, I like the reveal in that. I think Ben, I'll never pass up watching Ben Kingsley play a character like that. I mean, we get basically two awesome Ben Kingsley performances in this, and I do think he's really funny as Trevor, but I agree that, like, the poop joke is not, doesn't need to be in there. Yeah. But I think some of the other stuff, I think the yelling at the screen watching the soccer game and stuff like that, I like that. So yeah, I, I don't, I mean, there's some there's some elements in there that I like, and like I said, the, the reveal doesn't bother me. I think in general, like, I just think, I really like this movie. I mean, I think, I it, it, maybe it's, like, more a collection of really great scenes and it is good as a whole, but there's just so much stuff in here I, I genuinely like, and I, I do think it's, I, I mean, I like this one a lot more than I like number two, and I think it's it's a satisfying Iron Man film. I don't know if it's a satisfying, like, giant conclusion to a trilogy, but again, it's hard to even look at it that way, because I knew that this isn't really the end of the Iron Man story. Well, yeah, so, I mean, you know, getting past that, obviously the heroes saved the day. You know, we didn't really talk about War Machine's transformation to Iron Patriot, like, they basically turned him into a robot version of Captain America in this film. We didn't talk about the house party, either. House party protocol. Yeah, was- at, at, at the end, it turns out, you know, Tony's been, I don't know, limping along the entire film with this broken set of armor, which has no weapons in it whatsoever, and it turns out, wah, 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 his 47 suits... His 47 electronic Ronin did not get blown up. <laughs> they were in a garage underneath the hillside estate. So they all fly out, which, again, I don't know. How, how come he just didn't get a new suit earlier? I don't know. I, I mean, I can't, isn't, the, isn't there, I mean, don't they try to justify that in the film? I feel like there's a line of dialogue where it's like there's something, it's like loading up or something. It's not ready until it's, it's, he actually does um, it. Jarvis gets kind of destroyed. Um, you know, Jarvis has problems himself. And uh, it's, like, buried under a bunch of rubble. Yes. Yeah. So the rubble has to be cleared away for this opening to kind of open up in the ground for them all to fly out of. And, and he has to, like, remotely repair Jarvis, which, like, there's a like, there's a lot of good ideas in this movie, but I think they're... And that's where, like, I line, I, I, I line up a little bit more on the side of liking it. Although, I guess when we talk about Avengers 2, we'll talk about maybe how some of the, the stuff... In Avengers 2 makes me maybe like this movie a little bit less because I feel like it lessens what I thought was Tony's character arc in this movie. Um, but, like, there's a lot of good ideas, but I feel like some of them aren't really fully fleshed out. Like, I don't mind that he's kind of stripped away from all his suits and stuff, but then, like, 
he repairs Jarvis from a kid's garage. Yeah. You know, like that kind of I stuff. I mean, do you, do you guys agree, though, that this will, I mean, like, I guess one of the things I like about it is that everything in this film that I think I would have hated, I ended up liking. Like, even, like, I hate little kids in movies like this. Yes. But I actually, <laughs> I actually like the I Tony like the little, little kid in this. I do, too, and I, I think know. I like it. I think I like it because they don't make, t- like, Tony treats him like a, a little shit. Like, Tony's, like, completely mean to him the whole time. And I like that that was consistent. Even even when he says his dad dies or something, and he's like, oh, well, sucks to be you. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, I really like the stuff with him and the kid. And then, would you guys agree that this one has, you guys, I'm guessing you probably won't, but I think this one has the best action sequence of any no. three of the Iron Man films. The scene with uh, oh. saving the people Iron falling. Man movies? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that scene until uh. I find out that he didn't actually do any of it. Yeah, that's another cheat. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, like Trev, like, I've, I went from totally hating this film in the theater to watching a couple more times on video and and like I said, seeing the overall picture of where they were going with the Marvel universe, like I can accept it more. But there's just it's like when I watch it, like right when they're winning me back over from the last cheesy thing that alienated me, then they throw some other like just needless thing in there. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know. There's there's just it, this movie feels like there's too many cheats in it. And I just I don't know. I can't fully get on board with it. Yeah, I'm I'm more with goat, and I just I hate the the pretty much the whole third act of this movie. I just you like don't like that Pepper puts on the suit and yeah. saves the day, and yeah, like like the, I, like the ending of Dark Knight Rises where Catwoman. I, I'm glad you said that. Kills Bane. <laughs> that, that was like a real fashionable thing to do around that time. Because I was gonna say that. I said I was gonna say it's the same. The the whole Pepper Potts coming out in her her sports bra and her yoga pants to to fight the bad guy. It was like it was the same frustration I, uh... I had with Catwoman taking out Bane only like times a hundred. Yeah. It, it was just a. It was I a, did not need to kick ass Pepper Potts. It that didn't need to happen, and you know this whole time we're trying to see that you know Tony Stark can be a hero without the Iron Man stuff, and it, it just robs it of any any satisfying conclusion between him and and the villain. It I it's agree. terrible, and it looks hokey. It does, and it it's it's just written really goofily, and it's just cheesy and shitty. Not, not to mention this. I don't know. I think it depends on how you read that moment. Because, I mean, you're saying it, like, robs the, the Tony arc. But I think if you're reading that moment as being more about Tony and Pepper, then I actually, I like that Pepper is the one that saves him in the end. Because that's what she's been doing the whole series. Whether, whether you realize or not, Pepper's always the one who's saving Tony from himself. And then now she gets a chance to, like, literally save him at the end. And I like that. I mean, I think... Giving her powers that are only going to last her for 10 minutes just so she yeah. can come out, come out, conveniently come out of the script to save the day, I I, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm i with Bird there. It just, it's not so much, you know, obviously Pepper's such a big part of Tony and the whole Iron Man arc and all that, but it just, it, like I said, there's too many cheats in this movie. It just, it doesn't really earn what it's going for, I don't think. And, and, and the the number one example of this that I just I can't believe they were so insane to do, but literally this movie being a very you know long kind of bloated movie whatever I mean that that that's fine we, you know we we pay to see Iron Man we want to see a big long epic movie, but the fact that this movie wraps up with literally like a thirty second epilogue which changes everything including Tony getting his whole 
chest, you know, thing removed and whatever. I mean, I almost feel like that needed to be at least the pl- the, the subplot of an Iron Man movie, not a 30-second wrap-up. What did you guys think of Tony just completely curing his whole... You know, not not only curing the whole extremist thing by with a throw line, throwaway line of dialogue like, "Oh, I, you know, I cured that problem." You know, figured that problem out twenty years ago, or whatever. But now his whole ailment that was literally killing him in the first two Iron Man movies just gone. I think it was bullshit. I'm gonna agree with you. I I, I for me, I actually like the Tony uh, curing himself thing. Like, I think that plays into the movie. Like, I think that like. The whole thing of, like, it being PTSD and then him, like, feeling like he needs the suits and and all of that stuff. Like, for me, that all plays really well. The Obviously, the Pepper thing didn't play so well because when I saw um, when I saw Avengers, I was like and, – and Tony starts talking about Pepper. I was like, wait a minute. Isn't she going to, like, blow up at any moment? Why is he here instead of – and. Then, like, later you guys were like, oh, don't you remember at the end of Iron Man 3 he says, oh, I cured Pepper? So, like, that definitely doesn't play so well for me because it's just a piece of throwaway dialogue that I remember. But, like, I think him, like, removing the the palladium thing – well, it's not palladium anymore. But him removing the the thing – the arc reactor, like, plays pretty well for me personally. Yeah, me too. I think it's like it's him putting like a it's him ending a certain chapter of his life. And like I said, the film is about how he could have gotten rid of this before, but he's been kept keeping it as a crutch. It's like a mental reason to still, you know, to motivate himself. And it's it's him putting that aside. I do also want to point out that before I, I probably should say this for when we get to Avengers 2 and people start bitching about the end of this film, not jiving. But the, at the end of this film, the very last line of dialogue in this film still is I am Iron Man. So I don't think this film at the end says he's just quitting being Iron Man. Bird, stop trimming your nails. That's not me. Are you talking? Bird, Bird, I got to ask you, man. Out of all the that hours in the I day, swear to God, that was you not could me. trim your nails. Why do you wait for us <laughs> to do a podcast? That wasn't me. I swear that wasn't me. Who was it? I'm being framed. That oh, was that's not, it. I, yeah. You're right. I'm laying down. Not With a nail anything. clipper in your hands. Oh my god! Anyway, at the end of this film, I, mean, oh my, I, I can't believe that happened again. I don't think this film like ends with him quitting being Iron Man. I think it's just him putting right. a certain like chapter of his life to to close. Because I mean, obviously, they knew he was going to be Iron Man again in the next film. It's not like they would end it that way when they knew they know Avengers Two is coming. Yeah, I don't. I mean, obviously, I mean, we know. You know, there's no way in in heck that. Uh, Tony Stark is done putting on Iron Man suits or whatever, but I mean, it's obviously meant to echo the end of the first film when he acknowledges to the press, whatever, you know, I am right. Iron Man, you know, but it just, I don't know, it just, I, I really didn't even understand why they even went the route of a chapter closing when a chapter really wasn't closing, you know what I mean? Like, like I would have been fine if he would have started out Avengers 2 just being in like the command center and being the tactician and helping them and supplying technology and funding them that way and 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 throughout the movie he he has to build a new suit and has to you know give us that rah-rah moment halfway through the movie where he's back in the suit like i i don't i'll just i didn't get that whole the whole reason yeah there's a reason if you pay attention to avengers 2 there's a reason why he's in the suit but we'll get to that later we'll we'll talk about avengers 2 when we get to uh, part three of this podcast where we will finally confront the individual clipping as toenails. 
in the background of all our. <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> Bert, you have a lot of dogs it's, over there, and those dogs have nails. It's that a need mysterious to be uh, purple guy who's standing behind Bird right now. <laughs> it was not me. So I'm sure we want to move on from this one, but the yeah. last question I'll ask is: Go now. I know this. This was at the time where like all our discussions were really hot and heavy on the Marvel films are all the same. They're not. The directors right. have like no voice. I are you still standing by? You honestly don't feel like you see Shane Black in this movie at all. I mean, like I watched this and I really feel like this is a Shane Black movie. I mean, I, I can't help but be biased, other than like I heard a really, really, and I, I could dig up the podcast again. But I heard a really long, detailed thing, and um, he, it wasn't it wasn't Shane Black strolling in and writing the script and doing whatever. I mean, I think it's fifty percent him, but he was given a co-writer that he did yeah. not choose, that he did not want. Like literally, from what I understand, just going off my memory of this interview, I think the majority of the script, if not the entire script, was was you know kind of written, and he kind of you know. You know, put his. I think he put his flourishes more as Shane Black, the director, than he did the writer in this one. And I mean, I give him credit. Like even when the the Mandarin shit broke out very early on, there was like preview screens where he stood, you know, after during did Q and As and was willing to talk about it. And he wanted to know why were people upset? Why did what? You know what I mean? So I mean, I like I'm not going to blame Shane Black for anything. And at the end of the day, I don't think this is a terrible movie. There's just a lot of things that in the you know that in this movie that don't sit well with me. But I mean, I don't know. Like I've gotten over it. Like I don't know. I haven't really gotten over the disappointment of Man of Steel, but I've gotten over the disappointment of Avengers and Iron Man three. Just because, like I said, like these two films, warts and all, whatever I can accept now seeing the bigger picture of where they were going. Yeah, Should I we think talk that's one about of the... the retcon at all. The the Mandarin retcon. Yeah. Retcon? I mean, they, you know, we're not, I don't think we're ever going to really hit on the one shots as much in, the, in these podcasts, yeah. but they, for a while there, they were doing these little Marvel short films and throwing them on the Blu-rays. And they've and, stopped uh, now. They so. have stopped now, which is fine, because most of them weren't very good. Yeah, but they were very this is, cheap. This is one of the only ones that's got, like, an actual plot to it. Yeah, but the question is, will it ever matter? You know, well, that's it, the question. it also has, if it bleeds, favorite Scoot McMahon. Scoot McNary. That's right. Yep. Scoot so, anyways, if if you really hate the Mandarin and that weird thing that they do with him, you know, Marvel has officially retconned that to say that the Mandarin, the real Mandarin, is pissed about Trevor Slattery and Aldrich Killian or Killian Aldrich. Yeah. Uh, there's like a, a little. It's on. Is it on the Thor two? I believe Blu-ray? it's on Thor two. Yeah. It's on the Thor two Blu-ray. There's a a, a one shot, and you might even be able to find it on on YouTube. It's called yeah. like, isn't it called like All Hail the King or something? Yeah, yeah. The King, yeah. and it's yeah. fun. You get to see Sam Rockwell again too, so that's never a bad thing. I, b- I believe Justin uh, Hammer. That's uh, right. I believe it you was find the... it on Daily Motion if you want. I mean, at least it's you know I'm, I typed Hail to the King one shot on uh, into Google, and I've got a. a a Daily Motion link, a Vimeo link, a YouTube link. So, yeah, so I don't. Options. I don't know. I don't. It, it, it's it's really hard for me to accept that it's even a legit retcon unless the character pops up again. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, we'll have to see. But yeah, but I. So, I oh, go ahead, go. No, I was, I was, I was just going to move on. Just say what you know, whatever you're going to say. Yeah. No, I was going to say I think actually the next thing that we move on to might go a little quicker because I don't think either of the uh, second run guys will have anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, the next movie. Hard pass. 
or not movie. Right, but, that's right. Where the next installment, I should say, is is Agents of Shield. Is when this popped out. Yeah, because uh, I mean, Agents of Shield started before Thor two came out. It started yeah. in the fall. Um, so they Marvel, you know, they're trying to put their money where their mouth is about this being a giant universe, you know, and saying, well, it doesn't need to just exist on the cinema screens. We can do a TV show too. But obviously, TV budgets, um, not wanting to step on the, the toes of the movies. It's not like they were going to turn around and just do, like, a Doctor Strange show or something. So they needed right. to think of something on, like, the periphery of the universe. And this, and I, I don't want to speculate too much about it. Like, go, like, you said you think, like, maybe they just built this around Coulson because seeing how popular he was. But I mean, it was a pretty, it seems to me like a pretty obvious move if you're them to say, like, well, people right. know what S.H.I.E.L.D. is. Let's just make it about S.H.I.E.L.D. And that way we can... We can only have superpowers every once in a while. We can make it more of like a spy show, so it saves a lot of budget, which is which, they definitely were trying to do that first which, season. Yeah, which is really what the first season was all about, and, and a lot of people thought it would stay cheap. But, I, like, I'll give them credit. I feel like they have up the budget. They have up the oh, scope yeah, yeah. I mean, well, immensely. Let's, let's, for, let's, like, you, so you, me, and Bird have all watched it. Uh, right. Have you even said it. the name of the show yet? Agents, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Shield. yeah. yeah. Um, and and chron- yeah, chronologically, this uh, Iron Man three hit in May. This came on the air in September. Of yep, the same I was year. just doing that for our listeners. Yeah, um, if we have yeah. any left. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but that you know, the first season, like you said, was kind of fueled on the resurrection of Coulson. How is he back? You know, and we, the first season is following this new team that he puts together, and it it's really such. was just kind of it was kind of just a, a story of the week show for the most part for a long time. Um, and I know, like, the big speculation at the time, and really what I, what I even thought at the beginning was that it was going to turn out to be, like, a life model decoy of Coulson. Right. That's kind of what I think which most is, people were expecting. Yeah, which is, if we should explain in the comic books, right, S.H.I.E.L.D. has a lot of uh, decoys that are, like, they're robots, right? Yes. Or androids, yeah. yeah. And a lot, but sometimes they don't even know they are. Exactly. Uh, which, which would have been the case with this, because, I mean, in the first season, it's hammered home and, like, all the time about how Coulson remembers getting killed by Loki, but then just remembers, like, waking up in Tahiti um, at, like, a resort where he's recuperating, and now he's just back in service, but secretly. Um, the fact that he's alive is being kept a secret for only the highest Correct. level of clearance and shield. And now you're following this new team he's put together. And, you know, um, Kobe Smulders would make appearances here and there as Maria Hill. Yeah. Uh, Even Samuel got, Jackson. Samuel Jackson season. showed up, yep. Um but for the most part, you know, this show just kind of chugged along. And, like, do you guys want to just want to quickly talk about what the problems were? I mean, I'd say the biggest ones were the characters simply weren't very interesting. And nope. the low budget really hurt it at first. Yeah. I mean, it well, just looked I, like shit. And... Yeah. Well, I mean, right off the bat, if I remember, Chad, the pilot, um, you know, a lot of people were saying this won't tie into the movies at all. Even with the pilot, though, they try to tie in. They mentioned the events of New York and Avengers. Literally, um, there is a case of someone with the extremists, right, in the pilot episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who would eventually, you know, becomes a, another character. I won't spoil it for you know, but uh, but yeah, yeah spoil it. Who cares? He becomes he Death becomes Deathlock. Yeah. Deathlock is awful in this show. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I do give him credit, and I'll be perfectly honest. The only reason, the only reason I stayed watching this show was that um, it tied into the the movie so so well. Or not so well, but at least they did. I don't know. Like, I just needed they, those carrots to keep me going. Yeah, you know? they did have nods. I mean, I remember at the time, I think Bird and I had the same attitude where I just kept saying, like, well, first of all, I was always saying, I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. Like, it was bad. Right. 
But people were acting like it was the worst show ever, and I think that was just like a little bit of hyperbole. It was never that terrible. It was just kind yeah. of meaningless. It was, it was well, spinning I, wheels. Well, well for, the, for having Marvel Studios on it and taking yeah, place I mean, MCU. But, but I mean, it was it, like, there was episodes there, if you looked at it a certain way, it was a fun, like, B-spy show, you know? Yeah. I mean, I it just. But I always, I mean, I always said like I'm just gonna chug through this first season. I'll give it the first season. If there's right. nothing at the, after that, I'm done. And you know, we'll talk in a second about how they actually saved it in the end of the first season. But. Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, you know, other than you know the mystery of how's Colson back, whatever, getting you to watch. I think really the best thing you know we could say about this show was you know the introduction of may like i think she's actually the best character on the show mm. bar none i i agree bird hates her but i think she's awesome. really i hate her and and, and, and I, th- I think they took what could have been very easily a cheap tv version of black widow and i feel like they gave her complexity and i think she actually out of all the characters on the show besides you know be my favorite i think she actually has the most backstory because colson most of his time is spent on the whole Tahiti thing and how he was resurrected. See, I think May is just horribly one note. I don't see mm. any complexity to her at all. I just see she's a, a fake badass, and that's all there is to her. Every now and then, she'll show a little bit more under the surface. But you look at other angsty-type characters, like, I don't know, like Batman or Wolverine or Punisher, and those are characters that have real a real sense of weight to them, and... She's just, I mean, I would definitely argue May has as much emotional weight as Punisher does. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just see May as just a grumpy, just, just, you know, just, just making, making a scowly face the whole time. There, I, and that's all there is to her. I, I mean, she, she isn't like a badass angsty character like, 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 uh, you know, Wolverine is. She's, she's just... There's nothing to her. She's just there to be the muscle. I don't know. I, I really enjoy how emotionally closed off she was in season one, even having casual sex with another team member. And just, I don't know, like in season two, especially, we got more backstory of kind of why May is the way she is. And I, I don't know. I've, I've really appreciated like seeing her come back to life, so to speak, emotionally. I mean, she's still tough as nails, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I understand her character the best and her character. Yeah, I agree. I think in season two, we get a, we get a sense of like May not wanting to be that person and yeah. trying to return to what she used to be. But uh, I think we like would most of us agree that the, the lowest point of the first season, for the most part, was Sky. Yeah, he's ostensibly the main Sky. character of the Sky's show. Sky's been the lowest point of the show up until the last, like, five episodes. Well, so, well j- just explain. Sky was annoying because she was an outside character. She was a computer hacker that they kind of, I don't know, Trev, they captured her, they arrested her. Yeah, she was her. working for an organization that was trying to take down S.H.I.E.L.D., basically. Right. It was like basically like an anonymous, you know. And that was really tedious, too, how long that kind of stretched out, I thought. Yeah, and they, they kept, they, like, captured her, and then basically, yeah, they are keeping her essentially like a prisoner, but she started helping them. Yeah, she was and, like a prisoner forced to help them. Like, I just... <laughs> and eventually, she, I mean, she became just a total Mary Sue character, where she was so helpful that they were like, well, let's yeah. just make her a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And basically everything she did was great and she could instantly be trained. She was like Laurel on Arrow. She could instantly right. be a badass with like two weeks of training, you know. And, and not only that, Trev, but they they played out so long, even after like they made her part of the team, they were still trying to, you know, the show was still trying to play, can you really trust Sky? Can, I was just like, either commit to it one way or the other. You know what I mean? Sky's, yeah. Sky's horrible. She was not, she, she's, 
She was never funny. Sky's what happens when someone who's not Joss Whedon attempts to write a Joss Whedon character. And it was and, and then for <laughs> She was that, created by Bobo Whedon. Yeah. Well they, she actually really was because this show yeah. was run by Joss Whedon's brother. Yeah, that, is that it was Jed through, Whedon? That was her through Jed season Whedon. one. Okay. And then through season two she was just mopey and whiny. And then once once they stopped trying to write her funny and once they stopped writing her, like, all mopey and shit, that's when she finally got to be bearable. And that wasn't until very and Once recently. they finally also decided she's a different character in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I, want, I really wonder, like, do you honestly think that was the plan from the beginning? Or no. Did you no. Hit on that, like, in, it's, yeah. it's Sky, as a character, Sky started out as such a fake shimp. It wasn't even funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? So let's just jump ahead then, because yeah. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the show, but let's... Well, actually, should we just wait until we talk about the last movie, because... Or should we just jump ahead and say why it got better? No, let's, let's wait. Let's leave a little cliffhanger. Cause, okay. Because we have to move on to uh, Thor 2 right now. And we now. gotta make sure uh, Source and Jelly are still awake. Yeah, Source... I haven't heard a peep out of Source in a I, while. I, or literally, I literally just sent Jelly a Facebook message that was like, I haven't been paying attention at all. <laughs> It, it, it's, it sounded like that's how much I care about Agents of Shield. It, it sounded like Source literally crawled into a cavern because he sounds so echoey and far away now. Hello, <laughs> come, hello. come on, Source, spelunk your way out of there. Join us back <laughs> for the conversation. Uh, so, so yeah. okay, guys, question for you on Agents of Shield before we move on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a way for someone maybe interested? To get into the show without having to slog through the yes. however many yes. episodes I of actually, yes. bullshit. Yes, I actually did this for someone already. Bird, I think Bird saw it. We have a friend who wanted to do that, and I actually went through and I did the work of <laughs> figuring out which episodes you could watch in the first season and which ones to skip. And there's a lot that you can just skip. I, and then I, I'd say then go forward from there. I would almost say watch the pilot. If you really yep. want to, like a crash course, watch the pilot just so you get introduced to the characters, and yeah. then you could almost skip to the one that happens yeah, right I'll, after. I'll send, Winter I'll, I can send you. I can send you the list, or we can like even post it on like one of our Facebook, you know, podcast pages so people can see what I think. But there's a very particular set of episodes to watch in the first season that I think will get you the gist of what is actually good about the show, and then the second season's a little, just more entertaining throughout. I think uh, that would be a good companion post to put along with this episode. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Fancy. <laughs> Source has returned to the land of the living. <laughs> All right. It's so, the time to talk about the yawn fest known as Thor. Yeah, I know. No shit. <laughs> so, so in 2013, in May, we had Iron Man 3, fall TV season. We had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doing its little string of just plugging along. And then... Um, for I guess here in America, it was a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, probably a little earlier, probably more like Halloween around the rest of the world. We had the release of Thor: The Dark World, which I thought was great. I was really excited that Marvel is willing to release a film, you know, in the fall. That was I, so bad. <laughs> yes, that's what I was excited about. No, I was, I was excited because I felt like we were getting a pattern of having a winter. Marvel movie, which business-wise to me makes sense, um, just because you know the Thanksgiving season is a big time for you know families to go to the movies or whatever. But uh, fucking Marvel apparently didn't think so because they never released another fall movie. But yeah, Thor. I mean, I think Thor: The Dark World. I don't know. It just they basically create a disposable villain, Dark Elf Melikith. I thought the Dark Elves were awesome. They're basically. You know, rampaging the universe after, you know, I guess their 
their uh, society or their race have been fucked around for so long they were taking back the power. And uh, I think it was a, a, a notable tone shift here of with the first Thor, you have Branna really kind of making a campy space Shakespearean drama where this one I felt like really was going for that more fantasy uh, Lord of the Rings, almost Game of Thrones uh, type uh, feel. I mean, so much that they even pulled a director from Game of Thrones. Uh, what did you guys think of this, like, kind of tonal shift to make the world of Thor kind of more medieval and magical and less spacey and Shakespearean? Um, I don't I think like that's it. what happens. Oh, I think this movie I'm seems... Kind of with jelly on this one. I, I think this movie seems like it's the most... Like, this movie... <laughs> This movie makes Thor into an alien. I mean, that's that's when when I when I was watching this movie, I'm like, uh, you know, because don't doesn't someone say uh, something about mortals, and then someone's like, oh, like we're immortal, and he's like, oh, close enough, and you're like, oh, so they're not, and then there's like alien spaceships flying around everywhere, like they're not actually dark elves, they're just aliens who call themselves dark elves, like. I don't know. I, I think we got into this the last time when we were talking about Thor. Right. Um, and you guys were saying, like, you know, magic isn't necessarily magic. It's just science that we don't understand and stuff. But, like, it... Thor said that. We didn't say that. It just bugs <laughs> me. Like, I'd rather I'd rather just have it be... Like, have the stones to just be magical instead of being like, we're aliens. I don't know. That just... It rubs me wrong. Because like I'm I mean, not as far D- on your DC has never had a problem with in the comics at least like like basically saying like oh there's there's superheroes and there's magic like well I mean, to be fair Marvel's never had a problem in the comics either I mean in the comics okay, yeah, the I, Lord I, is I, God yeah, you know like I mean or it's, God. Not, it's not the only the only point I was gonna make on that is just that because I know like Superman is like uh, uh, he's like vulnerable to magic you know um, and that's just something that I just happen to know. Um, but so yeah, okay. So Marvel doesn't isn't afraid to do that in the comics either. I don't know why they're so scared to do it in the movies. I mean, people would roll with it, you know. It's weird because it, like it seems like it all builds off of them starting with Iron Man and always being like, well, Iron Man has like a more scientific, realistic tone. Right. I feel like for too long they were trying to like make sure everything was merging into that, and I really feel like it wasn't until I, I mean I'm going to say I think Guardians and now especially Age of Ultron where they're starting to get goofier, which I think is good considering some of the films they've got coming up, but. I mean, would would you guys say almost? Are they going to say Doctor Strange is just is just science that we don't understand? They're going to say he's just strange. Kevin Feige <laughs> is a, Kevin Kevin Feige, who's a huge Doctor Strange fan, has said that like Doctor Strange is officially like the introduction of the supernatural into the Marvel universe. So here's hoping yeah. he's telling the truth. I mean, you know? Yeah, maybe they're trying to pace themselves, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I mean. I, my my issue with this movie has really nothing to do with a lot of the things that, that Jelly's saying so much as, like, uh, it just seems so so done before. You know what I mean? It seems so Thor Redux kind of deal. Like, someone yeah. explain to me, what the hell in the comics does Jane Foster actually do? Pretty much what she does in the movie is she's so nothing. a friend. Okay, you know? <laughs> she just kind of hangs yeah. out. Right? She's a hot girl, and probably. Then, yeah, I mean, just like, you know, Thor jumping from place to place you know punching people with his hammer i, I don't know i mean like it just i i, I didn't get, and, and the ether really made me the, started on the ether yeah like well, like well no i mean the, I world's, think you're the ab- world's mcguffinist mcguffin yeah we're really into mcguffin territory i, I think now. you're absolutely right source and i think the issue is i think this movie even more than iron man 2 this is the one that's hurt the most by 
a bad villain. And yeah. and especially just cutting down a villain. The, the yeah. same thing that happened in Iron Man 2 happened here. I mean, they got a great actor again. You know, you had Mickey Rourke in Iron Man 2. Here you had Chris Eccleston. You get a great actor. You give him a, a complex, interesting part that obviously was good enough for that actor to sign on. Right. And then you just and then you just dump Chop all that. Away. And yep. And I just don't know why. I mean, that's that's the one complaint about Marvel that I agree with. I don't know why they why they feel like the villains can't be interesting or why they think that takes away from the hero. And it really hurt this film because I just didn't. Okay, Malekith wants to end the entire universe. Why? What? How does that benefit him in any way? Baby. Like that's yeah. just kind of all that it is. Like we have to go stop you, Malekith the online, baby. If you, if you go online and like read about all these scenes that got cut, they sound awesome, and I really yeah. want to see them. And they're not even on the Blu-ray to watch. You know? Yeah, they, I don't really know anything about these scenes personally. Yeah, I, I just want to say that's kind of the dark side of Marvel here at this point. Is they're kind of they're kind of like the toy company that wants to pump out a, a million heroes and you know and the bad guys don't really matter because they their toys don't sell as well. Like I feel like that's really kind of what's going on here. It's like well you know you go to see Thor two to see Thor and Loki and like you know in the story you know Loki he's he's on um, you know death row so to speak for his crimes and he's about to be punished and all this. And then there's the big attack, and, you know, of course, Loki escapes, and Loki and Thor have to work together, which I kind of like that aspect of the story. But um, but you knew where it was going. It's not like it's not like the resolution of that plot point, you know, was actually a surprise to anybody. No, but, I mean, the, the thing is, is, like, I think, you know, with them just tossing the importance of uh, Malekith aside here, is somebody cutting nails again? No, that sounded like a can opening. Oh, okay. But, uh... Drinking a bar for a DVD reviews. But no, but, like, this whole time we're supposed to care... <laughs> is that Bill Cosby or is that... This is Porter. But the whole time we're watching Malekith parade around with his red glowing whatever, like... <laughs> whatever fucking ether. We, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we know deep down that the story's not about him. It's about Thor and Loki, right? So, I mean, they puts even... Le- you know, with the... Ch- like, Trevor some of the chop down on his uh, character or whatever like it puts even less importance on what's supposed to be the villain in this movie so it's like pretty much the real meat of this movie is uh, Loki and Thor having to work together can we trust Loki again can we you know obviously you can never trust Loki I, I don't even understand why people keep trying Yeah, that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's John. Somebody that's just John. crashed their car. The loudest noises of all time. Um, but no, but uh, and also too, we find a way for Thor to uh, go back to Earth to to rekindle his romance. So really, the real meat of this movie. Really, 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 really. You couldn't just open it and reach in. You had to like actually use the ice machine on the fridge, right? Oh, sorry, guys. That's good. No, but the real meat of this movie is Thor and his girlfriend and Thor and his fake adopted brother. And, I mean, it, it kind of, you know, there's some great, I don't know, there's some special effects and almost like the end of the world and all that stuff when Malekith really, you know, gets the uh, the uh, the power of the ether. I mean, there's also, you know, accidentally the ether power goes into Jane. So we're recalling Iron Man 3. For no reason. Yeah, for you no know, reason. Like- like there's there's nothing at stake with it being in her. Like it, it's right. not, you know, it's not like um, it's like a stall like, tactic. Oh, <laughs> if they take it out of her, it's gonna kill her. Yeah, you know, like that would be at least a compelling thing. Like, and even if they like, if Thor then figured out a way to get it out of her without killing her, like that would be like a like a compelling type of thing. Like 
Thor wants it to be somewhere safe. So it's kind of safe with Jane because she's not going to use it for evil. Right. But he doesn't want it to be in her because if it's in her, then then Malekith is going to get it to, and it'll kill her. So he's got to figure out a way to get it out of her. But then that makes it vulnerable to Malekith taking it over. Like that would be at least compelling. But instead it just goes into her so that she can glow red a couple times. Like there's no yeah. reason. I mean, I, I really don't know because it's kind of so vague. I don't know if the idea was that um, that it would eventually uh, turn her evil or take her over or just the fact that she was holding it in her body would destroy her. I mean, I don't really understand what this thing is because it's literally a, a, a cloud of glowing red, I don't know, mist. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just really hard to like kind of oh, wrap your head ether. around it. What does it that turns even stuff into mean? Nothing. Yeah, it's like antimatter from what I understand, but I, I, you know, so so basically, you know, we we have eventually gets pulled out of her, you know, uh, Malekith regains the power, and he pretty much just starts destroying London, which I will give them credit. You know, every movie where something destroys a city, it's always New York. So I mean, at least we got to see England or whatever like get torn apart. I'll give credit to like I mean I'm sure we're gonna mention this moment, but I'll say like this movie more or less sucks, but. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would ever have any reason to ever watch this movie again, except for the third act, where that's like, that's what like holds this movie together in any way. Is that the third act of this movie actually is awesome? The final action scene with the d- yeah. jumping through the dimensions and the portals is just so much fun. It's like what the rest of the movie is totally lacking. I mean, by the way, for the record, I mean, I don't, I don't hate this movie. I, I think I'm probably higher on it than you guys are. But I walked, I walked out saying, okay, that was a fun little ride, but it was very empty. We got the we got the hack job of the villain again. I really walked out of this movie going, "That's okay, that's fine," but you you can only coast for so long, and they gotta you know they gotta start stepping these movies up, which thankfully they did. But mm-hmm. I think to me, you know, this was the last you know easy whatever free ride that Marvel you know was going to have with audiences off of the goodwill of the Avengers. This this is my I mean this is my bottom of the barrel of this Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's me too. Like like you guys like like we've been saying. I mean the the main thrust of this movie is a MacGuffin that is like never really explained. Uh, the the main villain gets no characterization. Yeah. The, you've talked about like the main the main thrusts of this movie being Thor and his girlfriend and Thor and Loki. One of those two things doesn't get a satisfying conclusion, that being, like, Thor and Loki. Yeah. Um, you know, like, and that's the main thrust of the movie. And even, like, when, when Loki supposedly dies in this movie, you're like, oh, well, that doesn't really resolve anything between him and Thor. He just now died, you know? Like, and I, I know that's not what it turns out to be, but then still, like... Again. There's, there's no... There's no actual factual resolution to one of the main thrusts of this film. And the other the other resolution is like a post credit scene, you know? So it's like there's no there's no satisfying like story arc even to this movie. It just kind of pips from place to place and then Stellan Skarsgård pops up with his pants off. Yeah. Can we talk about the third sidekick guy that they added? No. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Yeah, they they basically wasn't it that they did it so they could add a love interest for Kat Dennings? Yeah, but why? I mean, yeah. she was, like she people liked her fine in the first one just as a comedic relief character. Why give her her own sidekick? It just I didn't agree. make any sense. I agree. I do like this more than both Iron Man sequels. Ugh, you are Ugh. insane. Ugh. 
I, I'll be honest. I, I like this one. We're all hurling general disgust in your direction. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm kind of with Bird. I like this more than Iron Man three, but because I felt this was this was very super lightweight movie, but I feel like at least the ride, you know, was more fun. It was I agree. More of a roller coaster ride. It's a much more flawed movie, but I, I just yeah. find it more fun, it's more just, enjoyable. You know, you know, it's 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 like we said, like you know, this might be a Thor movie, this might be an Iron Man movie, but in reality, this is Marvel Cinema Universe Part Nine or whatever. And I just feel like the more you go along, the the kind of I don't know, like the more importance each film has to have, and and not be so lightweight and bubblegummy. Um, I don't think there's too much more to say this other than the kind of the stinger of the movie is actually Loki, who we thought was dead or whatever happened to him. He's actually impersonating Odin, so Loki secretly has control of Asgard, which I think is going to play in really big with uh, Thor 3 Ragnarok. Do any of you guys care about this plot thread at all? Wait, you you mean that Marvel killed somebody off that wasn't actually dead? Yeah, but Marvel didn't kill him, and and I don't have a problem with this one at all because it's Loki. Everyone seems to like Loki a lot more than I do. Two seconds before he fake kills himself, he fake cuts off Thor's arm. Like it's, yeah. he's Loki. He's the the master of tricks and illusions. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess, I could give more credence to to that as Loki if if the the, the movies were more using him as like the master of tricks and stuff. You know what I mean? They don't they don't really go there with him. They just kind of have they him do. be like, nah, but not really. They're not they're not like. When when do they really come out and say like oh this is what Loki does he's a trickster guy like in the first movie no and I don't he's even just, love the first movie no he's just like he's just like Thor's whiny brother in the first no movie. he's the god of uh, the god of mischief I, I mean yeah, I yeah, I kind of yeah, agree with Source about in the movies. no in the movies they say that about him do they really no 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 but I I, I get what Source is saying yeah I do too I, I mean they I don't like they don't emphasize I, it they just yeah, use it like when it's Loki convenient. Of- I like All Loki a lot in the movies, movie, but they don't. He's throughout this whole movie. He's like, he's you know, there's that the part where he's like, he's faking that he's super calm, but he's like torn the the little prison that he's in apart because they killed his mother. Is well, like me, the only person he actually cared ex- about? If, he if pops. This is what, go ahead. He pops in and out of being Captain America, which is probably like the best part of the entire movie. Yeah, that's a scene. <laughs> that's a scene that feels like Loki. I think Source is yeah. pointing out that there's not a lot of that. Like. Typically, the stuff he does when we're talking about, like, Lord of Mischief is it is just, like, misdirection in the movies where you think he's standing somewhere, but actually he's standing somewhere else. Yeah, it's right. not like... But, I mean, he's, more, like like, he's much yeah. more of a trickster figure in the comics where he'll just start messing with people for no reason just because he is the god of mischief. Like, he'll walk in a room and suddenly make everyone be wearing clown clothes or something, you know? It's like, what? Why'd you do that? And it's like, I don't Why not? He doesn't do anything like that in the movies. Yeah, he's always just... It's just like he's, he's played as conniving, not as, oh, that like, is the definitely god of something mischief. I thought... You know what I mean? was a was a fault of the original Thor film is that he's he's not like like very tricksy. I think yeah. that's what I'm getting at. They do it more I think starting from that point though, they've done a a fairly good job of bringing him more towards that to, to for me. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, Goat, I, I like the last little bit there just because I do like Loki a lot, and I, I am looking forward to Ragnarok to see, like, you know, like Jelly said earlier, I feel like the final beat in the Thor-Loki story will actually feel like it means something, right. as opposed to a lot, a lot of other things that are coming that might seem a little more, like, meaningless or lightweight. 
Also, uh, in typical Marvel fashion, we had a recasting in this film with Zach Levi taking over the role of Fandral from Joshua Dallas. Was anybody yeah. upset about this? How many people noticed? I, I'll, I'll be honest, I never noticed. I never noticed. I couldn't name a single one of Thor's uh, Warriors three. sidekicks yeah. in this. The Warriors I didn't even know. I didn't even know Idiot. that. Uh, I didn't even know that Rene Russo's character's name was what is it? Fucka. <laughs> Freya. Um, Fre- yeah, Freya. <laughs> I thought it was like I thought it was like Flicka or something or Frigga. <laughs> Frigga. I thought it was like Flicka or something. You're cute. See, so. That that's to me how bad a job the Thor movies have done of setting up like their secondary and tertiary characters is I don't I don't know any of their names. Well, poor Hogan, that's uh, Todd Nobu. Yeah, which one is that? Like who? The <laughs> the Japanese Todd, guy. Todd Nobu Yeah, yeah. He, another he really another if it bleeds it. favorite. But yes, right. he is. He he really got short shafted in this one. Me and yeah, Trev talk like, about that all the they time. They drop but... him off on like another planet at the beginning, and then they're just like, "See you later." <laughs> They're, they're like, we don't like Asian people. Jets fly yeah. by. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, there's also uh, Ray Stevenson. You guys love Ray Stevenson. You're just saying, Wait, is that the name of the character or the actor? <laughs> the actor, <laughs> Ray Stevenson, who played the Punisher. He's the uh, the fat one. Yeah, I have to say I love Ray Stevenson. This is one of my least favorite characters of his. I mean, just I feel like any guy with a fake fat suit could play that role pretty much. I, these aren't characters. These are just... <laughs> just because we brought that up, actually, go really yeah. quickly. I just want to take a moment and say, like, the, one of the curses of the Marvel Universe now is that if you're an actor and you take, like, a small little part or something, you kind of have, like, screwed yourself out of any cooler part later. Right. Yeah, so that's we where it's like now we, we yeah we talked about like Scoop McNary having just this like little tiny role in that short, and it's like well now he doesn't get to play like a better part later, and then even like something like Frank Grillo, where I feel like there's a huge like contingent of people, including us, I think that would love to see him play the Punisher, but because he's already played another character, nope, never mind. That's kind of too bad. No, no, I was just thinking of that, Trev. Do you think? Okay, do you think Grillo might be able to overcome that? Considering the Punisher, if it does get made again, will be a Netflix show, so it's on TV. And his, maybe, and his other character now has been like turned into a masked character. So yeah, maybe that'd be know. nice. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I don't know. I, I feel like they think we would care more than we really would. Right. And, what about and, Idris Elba's Heimdall? We all love Idris. Elba. I, I, yeah, I think he's awesome in the role. Does I Heimdall mean, do anything in this movie? He like <laughs> well, climbs his, his, onto a. Doesn't he like climb onto a? He actually has. I think an he fights. Scene. Yeah, he fights, but but his his bridge or whatever is still being rebuilt, so he's not exactly the gatekeeper. In he's just kind of hanging out now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just hanging out with my shit to get rebuilt, guys. Don't mind me. I like Idris Elba as this character, and I think it's like a cool like like he's all right. Like I don't have any problems with him. But I don't, I don't like, I don't let, remember what he does in this movie. Let, let, let's talk about that though, real quick. As um, Trev is, uh, you know, it, it, maybe Grillo can be the first one to overcome, you know, the actual in-house playing two characters for Marvel. But they haven't been shy about hiring people from the quote-unquote fake Marvel movies because obviously Chris Evans was, right, you know, the Torch and Fantastic Four and. and um, uh, Idris Elba was I I don't know the character's name, but he was in Ghost Rider too. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Playing like one of the whatever bikers. So I mean Ray Stevenson was the Punisher. The Ray Stevenson was the Punisher. It's it's like they're keen to cast people that were in the quote unquote fake Marvel movies, but not the legit ones. Yeah, I mean know? some of that is I mean Kevin Feige worked on some of those movies and I'm sure he, yeah. he liked those people, you know, and wants to work with them again. Yeah, maybe those people are comic book fans and want to be in an actual good one. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I, mean, I don't know about Evans, but I know like Idris Elba actually is kind of um he's into that nerdy stuff and was and has been pumped to be in these films, so so when is when are we getting Nicolas Cage in the MCU? That's the question. As soon right? as possible. When, when, when they when they need Green Goblin again, I would say. Oh, if he played Norman Osborn, that would just be well, that'd be great. Bliss, perfect. Yeah, and he's kind of he's kind of like the perfect age now. Really now, even you know, I know he was trying to get the role back when Raimi did the his first Spider-Man film, but I feel like Cage is kind of more age appropriate now for, for that role, but. All right, so I think that's pretty much it for Thor: The Dark World. I don't. Good. Let's talk about the good one. Yeah, I don't hate Thor: this movie. The Bland World. Trev, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you kick off the conversation about Captain America: The Winter Soldier because I have to go pee real quick. So please, <laughs> please take it over. All right. Well, so you know that was November of 2013. We got Thor, and then in April of 2014, which again, like kicking off, you know, pretty not even. Do you guys consider April 4th a summer movie? No. Uh, no. Marvel is starting know. to, though, for sure. Yeah, I guess. They're definitely like, like looking at it. Like it's like a very early beginning to the summer. But we say, get early kept... April is start like early mid-April is starting to be what they're using to like kick off the summer movie season. Mm-hmm. So we get the second Captain America film, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Um, this is a like a super interesting film, I think, in the series, simply because... Now, we were just talking about how these films no longer really feel like... This doesn't feel like Captain America 2 as much as it feels like MCU 9 or whatever. But when you especially compare this as a sequel to the first Captain America, it's a, a crazy tonal shift. Um, you know, out Joe Johnson's out, and he, in we have Anthony and Ju, Joe Russo. There was a pretty big question mark over that. They were primarily TV comedy directors, most known for doing episodes of Community and Arrested Development. And this is the first Captain America solo film that just brings him up into the modern time. It's no longer a World War II period piece. And there was all this talk before the film came out about this is going to be like the most serious MCU film. It's going to be a political thriller. They kept name dropping stuff like Three Days of the Condor and All the President's Men. They even went as far as casting Robert Redford, which I still don't know how the hell they pulled that off. They but, tricked uh, him. Got some bills have. to pay. Got some bills I mean, I, he, you know, if you hear the interviews with him, it's the old chestnut of like his grandkids wanted him to do it. That's how you always get these like legitimate actors. But um, but then we got Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and I mean, if I'm just going to do a spoiler alert to what we're going to talk about, this to me is still like by far the high water mark of MCU, and I I kind of have a hard time believing they're ever going to top this one. This is the dark night of the MCU. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, is there anyone who, like, is there anyone in this group who doesn't like this one? Oh, I love it. It, it was, I'm trying to think, I think it might have been the first MCU movie that I actually saw in the theaters twice. This is the Marvel movie that we deserved. Exactly. Thank you. But Keith. is it the one we needed? Yes. Mm. Yes. Especially after Thor. Yeah. After the bland world. So what do you guys think went so right with this one? I mean, let's just start talking about it. I mean... I mean, I think, I, I think, in all honesty, I think there was um, a feeling with the Captain America character that they needed to not necessarily change 
the character, but they needed to change the the movie he was in because I think there was a real fear that it was you know not handled right. His story's not handled right. They could seem very lightweight and boy scoutish. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I felt like they really kind of had to throw a lot. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, spoiler wise, there was a major event that affected all the movies uh, in this film. You know, later on, and I think I think like Marvel was smart in just saying let you know let's throw this curveball to the cinema universe in a Captain America movie so we can really strengthen his character. Yeah, and, that's the know. key to making a compelling Captain America story, right? Because he has that same problem that people say about Superman, where they're like, well, he's just too much of a Boy Scout. He's boring because he's such a Boy Scout. But the way to make those characters work and to make them compelling is you throw a lot of dirt on them yeah. and see how a character that's that much of a Boy Scout and has such a strong moral center. center rises through like terrible you know immoral stuff and so if you put captain america in a film that basically makes him question the very existence of the organization he works for and trusts then suddenly he's a little more compelling yeah i mean captain america and lesser hands could just become a you know an ultimate ultimate uh, cheerleader for the american government but it, but exactly mm-hmm. if you if you have if you have the true believer character become a doubter then I think that dramatically plays so much better for everybody watching. Mm-hmm. All right, nobody else has anything to say about that. I so know. I'll also say, <laughs> I think this film has the best action of any of the MCU films. I mean, I just remember being like blown away when the film kicks off with that like assault right. on the boat, and just the way the the fighting style they gave Captain America in this, where they pulled a lot from like mixed martial arts, mm-hmm. and the way they filmed it, where it's not all that it's not that Nolan like close in right. jittery camera. You know, you could actually see the fights or kind of shot from a distance and get to experience it all. I love the action in this film. Yeah, I mean, it, it really see uh, especially with the hand to hand stuff in the beginning. It really feels like a mix between a superhero film. In a much more kind of tactile, down and gritty, almost like a Tony Jaw film. I mean, you have a lot of, you know, and they even brought in the, the martial arts people to, you know, fight him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like it definitely kind of up the badass meter, so to speak. Yeah. I like that they um, didn't kill off all the villains of this movie. Yeah, I no. agree. You know, like, I mean, very, you know, what is it? Who's the, Bardock the Leaper or whatever? Um, Batrock, Batrock the Leaper. Batrock the Leaper. He's like, he's captured in the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. You know, he's not, he's not like, they don't like throw him off the boat into the propellers or anything to like <laughs> yeah. make sure we never see that character again, you know? So like, I just, I like stuff like that, that like. The only villain in this movie who's kind of killed is uh, Zola, Dr. Zola. Well, Redford does. And, I mean, I I love the Zola scene in this movie. It's such a cool, um, like, retro kind of villainy type of thing with it being like that computer screen thing. That is so cool to me. Well, it's great because right, so that, that scene is that scene is just an exposition dump, which are usually like the worst sequences in movies. But they found a really cool way to do it that you don't even care that it's just an exposition exposition dump. Yeah, they, I, I, th- I think they really took a cue from uh, other people, uh, m- mostly somebody like James Cameron, where it's like the best thing to do with the exposition dump is to put it in the middle of like an action scene. You know what I mean? Or in this mm-hmm. case, kind of like a more intense, you know, kind of time is you know ticking clock type scene you know 
Mm-hmm. And uh, also, what did everybody think? This is kind of like Black Widow 3.0 we have in this movie. I feel like she's been slightly different. I feel like her character in Iron Man 2 was completely different than what we saw in Avengers. And I think in this film, we we're kind of getting back to delving more into her, like, her true personal personality. I mean, did everybody like, you know, how Black Widow complimented Captain America and this whole kind of search and clue hunt that they were going on? I did. I think that uh, she worked really well in this one. It, I think she's she probably works best in this than in any of them, I would almost say. Arguably, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, she... I think I think she feels the most kind of three-dimensional in this one, for sure. I think there's something that works really well about pairing her with Cap. Because they're both yeah. soldiers, but have kind of different viewpoints on how to engage in a war. And I think that, that works a little more. Because even like her and Hawkeye together, they're kind of just the same character. Right. But her her and Cap together, there's a little bit more of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, definitely. How do you guys feel about the the Winter Soldier? I mean, I know there were some questions about Sebastian Stan as Bucky. but right. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, I thought he was I, awesome. Yeah. Th- that's where my... I don't know. It's, I don't it's, know what your beef is well, with him. As well, a lot of people feel like for a, movie called, for a movie called The Winter Soldier, The Winter Soldier isn't much of an entity. In it. Yeah, that's kind of my thought. I don't have any beef with that at all I mean, whatsoever. Like, that's kind of a bullshit sort of thing to me. Like, it's... It, it, just because, like, they call... Okay, so now you don't have any complaints with the Winter Soldier if the movie's called Captain America 2? Like, come on. Like, that's just that's just garbage. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know. The, you know, the Winter Soldier... Yeah, but, kind of, I mean, it's just like calling a movie Godzilla and not and bringing out some giant fucking iguana. It's not like he's not a part <laughs> of the fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's more... You know, everything that's going on with the Winter Soldier is... it's It's more... You know, the Winter Soldier attacking or them hunting him or whatever. It's kind of like, he's kind of just like the first layer of the onion that they peel back and they reveal the true conspiracy, you know. I really, I really like it and I wish, I feel like it's over already. Like, I feel like Captain America versus the Winter Soldier is over already. And I kind of, like, I wish it wasn't. Because I think that's a great dynamic. I always, I always think like, like the fact that, you know, his... It's his former friend who he let down, who uh, is suddenly alive, so it should be, like, a great thing for him. But this guy now really wants to kill him, and he's evil. Like, I mean, there's some pretty That's such a great scenes, dynamic. Though, I just kind of wish it wasn't, like, it feels like it's just over already. You there's know? some like, pretty great sequences that happen that, that satisfy me enough. I mean, you know, all of the times when, when they're physically fighting, I thought great sequences. And then there's even the moment where... Like, he, he fails and comes back, and uh, Robert Redford, like, they try to wipe his memory and start over again. He's in the chair getting all jacked up again. Like, I think there was a lot of good Winter Soldier stuff in here to the point where, like, I'm not disappointed that I'm not going to see more of him in that role. Like, I feel like his role was prominent enough for me to, to be satisfied. Also, if you want to get pretentious about it, they did make the point at the time, and I don't know how much. I think it really got lost in, like, the discussion, probably because people just rolled their eyes. But their argument was that the title does not necessarily just have to refer to the character of the Winter Soldier, but the Winter Soldier, they were making the argument that that could actually be applied to Captain America, because Winter Soldier is... I don't know, I'm trying to bring literature into it. It's a reference to Thomas Paine. Okay. Stop it. No, I want to know. I actually want to know. I'm curious. It's a reference to Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine wrote a famous uh, poem where he talked about, uh, or a story where he talked about people being... Called them summer soldiers, the people who uh, deserted Valley Forge when uh, when it got really rough there, 
and then later, um, you know, there was these Vietnam veterans who came, who were speaking out against the war, and they called themselves Winter Soldiers. Because they said that unlike summertime soldiers, they were the soldiers who were going to speak out against the things that were wrong with the war or with what was wrong in this country. And so that's what Winter Soldier has now come to mean. And that's exactly what Captain America is in this film. Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, Jelly, I mean, we don't really know what's coming next. We know, you know, currently uh, Bucky's still missing. I mean, even though we, you know, in this film, we kind of see that he finds the war museum and he sees himself or whatever. But, I mean, we, I, I still never got the feeling that once they finally did track him down, I don't think he's coming willingly or whatever. I still think they're, you know, we, and we don't know until we see the next movie, but I still think there could be a lot more there. You know what I mean? Do you think that if they inevitably pass off the torch of Captain America that it would go to him or to uh, Anthony Mackie? I would think more Anthony Mackie just because, like, I know that's the play for, you know, but, but I mean, I, like, you know, without getting too far ahead or whatever to Age of Ultron, I just don't see them, like, taking this, this whatever character, and especially the way they're building Steve Rogers up, I don't, you know, I, I could almost see the Winter Soldier becoming a good guy and, you know, in a way taking his place on the team, but I, I, I don't see them following really the comic book route and saying he's captain america now like that just i don't know i I think that's a much harder sell to the movie going audience after we we've had evans build up as steve rogers so much already Mm -hmm. well stan is signed to some like crazy multi-film contract right like he's like signed to like nine films or something yeah he's, he's he's in it for the long haul yeah so i feel like we could see him in the captain america suit at some point even if it's just for a film but I think at the end, of, after that, he might return to just being the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I almost see it. I almost see it being more of like he would get a spinoff film, and it's just like just because you're signed for a nine, whatever, doesn't mean you know they're going to use you. Yeah. And, and that and the thing too is like those nine movies. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, nine movies is a lot, but those nine movies could you know pile up quickly, considering you know Civil War will be his third of that nine deal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of Anthony Mackie in this? I thought he was pretty awesome. I thought he yeah. was pretty great, absolutely. Yeah, I thought he was awesome, too. Yeah, he, he sucked. He, 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 <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> just, just to be the guy who says that. No, I thought he was great. I love I love all the interactions between Anthony Mackie and Chris Evans in this movie. Um, I, I, I really, like, I think their dynamic is gr- What is going on? <laughs> That's not me, I swear. So, somebody's that, looking for a that, ketchup package. That, that's me. It sounds like someone's... It's not, now like, it's a party in the kitchen. Somebody's robbing it sources. It sounds like right someone's recording it in a factory. The kitchen of this house is like a factory, especially with these guys in here. Um, but so it's... Uh, yeah, I, I think it's like all their interactions, like between Anthony Mackie and, and, and Cap, like between... Uh, what is his name? Falcon? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, between Falcon and Cap, like I think, I think they're all great. Like, like all the stuff of like, don't you like, you know how he gets sick of him passing him on all the the laps around the lake. Um, how he like, what does he does he tell him about? He's Star like, yeah, yeah, I still left or whatever. Yeah, he um, tells him. I don't know what he tells him, but he has that little thing in his in his uh, back pocket with all the things he's missed. Tells him uh, to listen to Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Okay, and then and then like I love how like. Like, he's, like, that reluctant, like, and it's not reluctant, like, I don't want to do it. It 
or, or I'm not gonna do it. It's reluctant of like, I don't really want to, but like I totally am gonna, like, like help you out. You know, I really like that that dynamic to him of like, oh, man, I really don't don't like I don't have superpowers, so I don't want to be fighting against super villains and putting my neck on the line, but I'm totally going to. Yeah, because everything they're kind of doing in this movie is so illegal and kind of under the radar. And I think even, like, his wings, they have to steal. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, you know, it, it, he's he's reluctant to go down the superhero. But, yeah, I mean, I thought Mackie, Evans, and, and even, you know, I thought, you know, County and ScarJo as Black Widow, I thought they made a nice little trio, you know? Definitely. Did we discuss uh, Samuel Jackson, uh, Nick Fury, getting killed in this film yet? So no, stupid. He came so, back, so who cares? Yeah, like, he just, came back within the same film. Like, this is what I'm tired about. I'm tired of trying to up the stakes and then being like, sorry, nope, not dead. That said, at least he finally was given something to do in this film, and he does have one of the best action sequences in the whole movie. In the car? Yeah, the car chase. Yeah. His super smart car? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it was nice to see Nick Fury finally kind of justify the badass rep he has. Yeah, you know? be Nick Fury, you know? Yeah. I, you know, just a little quick thing, too. And I go, I bet you're going to totally be with me on this. You know what I really like about Captain America is he's kind of the only one of the few heroes in these superhero movies that they they, they let wear the mask all the time. I agree. Like, like I don't know why. Like, <laughs> they didn't want him to wear it for the climax of Ultron for some reason. Oh, but, yeah, but, he but, didn't wear it at all. But, but, but other than that, yeah, like, yeah, it's pretty. You know, it's pretty good. Where everybody else is always flipping that shit up every two seconds, unmasking nonstop. But yeah, I really, you know, my favorite. You know, you guys were talking about the action scene. My favorite action scene in this movie has to be the elevator, though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that part's great. I that I remember that part in the trailers was awesome. Like that was the uh, scene they just showed us that scene instead of a trailer at Comic Con. They just showed us that scene to like to hype that movie. Yeah, I, I think this movie really kind of stood out that it had so many scenes like that that were like that throwback to that cool action movie. You know, it was going more for you can read the action. Yeah, it was it was it was more about you know action movie like literally fighting and combat and excitement uh, you know more than the other films going for like the CGI bombastic overload like I felt like this one you know it was a little bit smarter it was a bit of a political thriller thriller conspiracy thriller with some real action movie action elements thrown in it wasn't just going for the big CGI crowd pleasing you know, wide, whatever audience blockbuster feel. It was really going for a more specific feel, and I think that's why it kind of hit for a lot of people that were maybe getting Marvel fatigue at the time. This film stand out, stood out, and had its own feel. It's and I first, think, yeah, it's, if, it's the if, first one that I feel like it really has a different. I don't know. It, it has a different tone than all the other ones. It right. felt. It felt. It, feels really fresh. It it it, it is a little bit more serious than all the other Marvel movies. That feels, might be why. It feels important. And that's I mean that's what I've kind of always you know kind of said about this movie is like this movie feels important. Like it, it so, something pretty major happens in this movie, you know, with Shield turns out Shield is actually Hydra this whole time and that Hydra has been like this like sleeper cell, you know, slowly permeating uh, shield over the the decades, and 
I mean, it, it blows up S.H.I.E.L.D., which S.H.I.E.L.D. is what brought together the Avengers in the first Avengers movie. And, like, it it burns that all to the ground, and that, like, feels important. And that, and that I think, is, like, a big a big feather in its cap. Like, a lot of these Marvel movies are just dismissi- dismissible, you know, like, popcorn bubblegum fun, as Goda said, you know, like, about Thor 2. And this movie, like, it feels... Like, it matters. It feels like the things that happen in this movie matter, and not just to set up the chase for glowing magical rocks. Honestly, this might be the only one where I feel like there is actual dramatic weight um, in the story. I mean, it's like you said, everything else, it's not to say the other movies don't have conflict or, you know, satisfying, you know, um, conflict between the characters or whatever, but this one feels like... I don't know. This is the only one you f- really watch and feel like like you're actually watching an event, I guess. Something something that matters and something that's going to make a difference to the characters. You know, at the end of the day, there's shit they need to work through. You know, I mean, yeah. you none of the other ones really feel, have that feel. And, and this movie feels like that throughout the entire movie. And it stays like that at the end. Yeah, and I think also too, you know, part of the reason why Shield going down is is you know makes is such a big deal is it's not just the dramatic you know like twist of it, but it's also that you know up until this point in time, Shield was kind of as a safety net that was always there to support Tony Stark, help him figure shit out. They helped him out in Iron Man too. Um, you know, like Thor was really more, you know, off the one, whatever. But, um, you know, they were even involved in kind of his story. It's like you always felt like if, you know, in a weird way, if Tony Stark, you know, failed during one of his adventures or, you know, it, it, there was always something there to, you know, larger than life, even larger than these heroes to, to stop the, you know, the unthinkable from happening. And like this movie is like, nah, all that's gone. So I think it puts more importance on, you know, you know, and it really frees Captain America to be Captain America, you know, on his own. I mean, obviously he'll be part of the Avengers and puts more importance on the Avengers in general because, you know, there isn't this huge monolithic uh, government agency with unlimited resources anymore. And yeah, also, it puts more on the heroes. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, also, I think Captain America, his journey is probably the most interesting because here he is, you know, he's the man out of time. So here he is now in a world that is completely different from what he knew. You know, he 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 lost his chance with the, the, the woman that he loved. And so he's just kind of like, I have nothing to do, so I guess I'll just work for S.H.I.E.L.D., and then it's like, okay, well, S.H.I.E.L.D. is fucked, and they're yeah. Hydra, then, you know, he pretty much loses everything. And Yeah, it's like a double whammy for him, too, because he's, he's, he's coming from a time where it was completely black and white. I mean, there was just good and evil, and now it's like, well, wait a minute, that just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and, and so he, he Captain America is literally a character who has lost everything, and it's just seeing how he, you know, he doesn't let him let it eat him up you know he doesn't mope around about it like batman or anything like you know you you get to see how he rises above all that how he keeps going forward even after uh, he meets his cgi girlfriend 
Exactly. <laughs> and, and, yeah. I, I have to say, too, I, I think part of the reason why Captain America ended up... Because I remember there was a time before the first Captain America movie came out, and nobody thought he would be a popular character. They thought he would be just like a whatever throwaway character that they needed just to kind of fill out the Avengers. And I think part of the reason why his character resonates so much with the audiences is compared to the other people... You know, the the Hulk is a little, he's kind of like, um, you know, his own thing off to the side. But as far as all the main heroes, you know, we have a, a you know, a god, a slash alien, whatever Thor is. We have a billionaire guy that we all love. You know, we love Tony Stark. But as far as, like, who can we relate to? Like, I think people really bought in emotionally to the transformation of uh, Steve Rogers as, as, you know, the weakling, you know, skinny guy to becoming Captain America to then, you know, it's like, okay, you know, it's his dream come true. He's a super strong, super whatever. He's got everything, you know what I mean? Uh, he's, he, you know, his best friend, and, you know, he's got a love interest and Peggy Carter. Then that gets ripped out from underneath him by getting frozen for 70 years. It's like this character has so many dramatic transformations, and then you have the whole man out of time aspect. It's like, I feel like emotionally he, he's always had a lot more going on that the, that the average person can relate to compared to the other characters in the series. Yeah, I think it, and I think it's another thing, too, where I've said this before, like, as you get older, what, what, what do you look for in, like, a, a hero character, right? And, I mean, when you're a kid, like, it's fun. Like, the idea of Batman is really fun or the idea of Wolverine is fun. But if you ask yourself, like, what heroes would you actually want to exist in the real world? Captain America seems more like, yeah, I wish, like... I wish I thought people involved with our, you know, military and government had that kind of morality and were really stood up for the things Captain America stands for, you know, especially when you look at, like, real news. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I want some wolverines out there slicing heads off. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the movie wraps up with this whole... You know, this whole little plan that S.H.I.E.L.D. had to put these, uh, to basically become the ultimate version of Big Brother with these huge things in the sky, these watchdogs that, you know, before terrorists or foreign armies could even mobilize against America or whatever, like we could just blow them up, we could whatever. And, you know, obviously that that was the master plan from uh, Hydra within S.H.I.E.L.D. They're basically creating their own kind of version of the Death Star. And, and even with the assistance of Gary Shandling, they can't exactly. pull it off. Exactly. He returned. Gary Shandling, by the way, even more <laughs> even more bloated just, in this film. Just to say Hail Hydra is the only exactly. What happened to him, though, between... He's like a melting, he looks like a melting crayon in this movie. <laughs> Stung by hundreds of bees. <laughs> it's like he walked through, like, the... Like, um, a bead door, but the beads were jellyfish tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have, I have to say, I loved it though. I, I love seeing his return. But yeah, so there's there's a a great uh, there, there. Well, even before that, there was a great uh, action scene on a freeway and stuff with the Winter Soldier attacking. And then there's a great fight with uh, Cap and uh, Bucky on the you know whatever the the warship, the super helicarrier, or whatever it's referred to. I thought that was a great hand to hand fight between Bucky and uh, the mm-hmm. Winter Soldier. What did you guys think? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I think I don't think there's like a false action sequence in this film. I yeah, they're they, all pretty I, good. Yeah, and I think, and it's cool, there's a good variety of them, too. You have, you know, you have hand-to-hand fights, you have a lot of uh, Falcons doing a lot of aerial stuff within the finale. Um, Car chases. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of a perfect action film in that sense, too. Yeah, uh, Black Widow and Fury are kind of involved on the things in the office, you know, going on, the kind of deception and struggle in there. And, like, yeah, I mean, I think it really, for a... um, 
you know, the, the, the tendency obviously is for these individual character movies for obviously the action scenes to be a little smaller scale. And I thought this one, you know, I think in a weird way, like, you know, we got Captain America Winter Soldier, we got another Avengers movie, now we're going to have Civil War coming up. I feel like almost in a weird way, they're setting the stage for the non-Avenger movies to also have huge, gigantic uh, action scenes in them, you know, like really big scale action scenes. Mm. So yeah, so with the big reveal, do we want to uh, dip a little bit, Trev, into how this <laughs> yeah. affected with the Aegis yeah, Shield? I mean, Aegis so Shield you, guys, you guys just heard Jelly talking about how this, the big ramifications of this film are basically burned Shield to the ground, and you might be saying, "Well, wait a minute, wasn't there a TV show called Agents of Shield running at the same time?" And this is where you you realize that maybe if you're being generous, maybe the reason the first you know two thirds of the Agents of Shield season sucked was because they knew this event was coming and they just had to kill time to get to it. Which why why but, not just start the season later on? I agree, but hey, I, you know, I, I just think that's the business of TV. Yeah, yeah. So obviously they had to address this, and it's at this point that the complete tone of the show changes, and the and the, the narrative thrust of the show changes. Right? We kind of abandoned the oh. We, by that point, we'd find out how Coulson had come back, and we kind of get it was past lame. that. Yeah, it had to do with aliens. It um, was a, uh, alien alien blood. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, the thing oh, is, isn't that isn't that like isn't there like some sort of I forget where this was in, but like Star now Trek? there's like some free yeah okay so the same thing as Star Trek right? Well, <laughs> now to, there's some to, weird thing that can make everyone live forever. It's I mean to their credit I mean well first of all it does pull in the comics that's they use the blood of the Kree which is a very important alien race in the Marvel universe, um, but it is revealed that basically Fury brought Coulson back and tampered with his brains that he didn't know what had happened to him. So it actually does kind of play into the, again, that idea in Winter Soldier that, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing terrible things, you know, on the, even though they're this peacekeeping organization, they do do bad things because Coulson didn't ask for this to be done. And it kind of calls into question Fury's morality. But anyways, we move past that and the Winter Soldier reveal happens and the next week on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. they have to address it. And so they actually, sorry for the spoilers at this point, but they take probably the most bland character on the show who nobody liked uh agent, <laughs> yeah. agent grant ward agent grant and, cheese dick <laughs> yeah agent banana uh, republic yes yeah, <laughs> he was called online and they suddenly have him turn and shoot one of the main shield operatives and kill her and they reveal that he's been a hydra agent this whole time uh undercover in this team and basically working you under know, bill paxton yes a very hammy bill paxton and it, I mean, it's kind of a complete 180 for uh, that character, Grant Ward, to the point where I almost, it didn't, I don't know if you agree with Goat, but it made me wonder if, like, that actor was purposely being bad, like, in the first, like, if he was being bland on purpose. I they, I don't know so much bland, but but I think he was playing, like, a certain role of, like, a, a I mean, lack of a better term, bland, but I think he was really intentionally white bread. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I mean, to the show's credit, too, I think like all of us at the time were like, well, yeah, but it's going to turn out that he's actually good and that yeah. this whole thing is he's like a double agent where he's infiltrating Hydra. But no, I mean, they went they just went for it and they yeah. kept him as a villain. And he and, could, and he continued to murder more and more people. Pretty yeah, much. like pretty, even to this to this day, still murdering people left and right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the show then became about like this team now on the run from like the, you know, because S.H.I.E.L.D. are basically the government doesn't trust S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. They're complete outlaws. And now the thrust of the show is Coulson trying to rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. into what it used to be with very limited resources because they've basically been dismantled by this Hydra reveal. 
So I, I don't know what was it, like the last five or six episodes of the season we're dealing yeah, with that yeah. fallout. Yeah, it was, it was and a it was pretty just big such fallout. A, it was such an obvious like marked improvement like right away. You know, yeah. like just, I mean, suddenly just the everything show felt like about the show. Something. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and I, th- I think that was obviously the best uh, instance of the show tying together with the movie. And like in a weird way, like I, you know, I'm really glad that Shield was there because it's like, you know, it's like holy shit, what the bomb that they dropped in Winter Soldier. I would hate to have waited, you know, just you know, because the next film in the series, Guardians of the Galaxy, didn't have anything to do with that story wise. Right. I would have hated to wait all the way in between you know, Winter Soldier and then Age of Ultron to get some sort of follow-up of what had happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Like, Winter Soldier was so good, I wanted to see more of that story. And we did get it for the next five weeks, you know? Yeah. And I remember even the time you and I talked about, I wish they could have just put those episodes on the Winter Soldier Blu-ray. Because, God, I don't want to buy the whole season. (laughs) But but those episodes feel so connected and and work as the fallout, you know, additional fallout. And I got to say, like, I was super impressed. Like, I I couldn't believe... That they did that in terms of, I mean, that's pretty monumental having a network TV show basically giving the spoilers like one week later after a huge movie opens in the box office. You know what I mean? Yeah, they didn't give you, they didn't give you a lot of time to like sit around and see that movie. You know, you had no. to uh, have seen it that weekend. Yeah, I mean, the movie came out on Friday and I, I'm not even sure what, because I always watch on Hulu. I don't even know what day of the it's week. Two, I think it's Tuesday. So yeah, yeah I, Tuesdays. I thought it was around the middle of the week. So, yeah, they gave you, like, what, about four days? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, yeah, I mean. And, yeah, you got a great hammy performance from Bill Paxton in the back half there. and I really enjoyed the Paxton turn. I have The to hammiest say- of all Bill Paxton performances. <laughs> yeah, because most of the Paxton ham came, you know, to the we- in the weeks leading up to the release of Winter Soldier. So, I mean, I was kind of, like, flatlining on the show. And just his presence, you know, I, I'll have to I admit it kept me stringing along, you know. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, it's been a while since I watched it, but I remember really liking the finale and thinking, like, the finale finally had some really decent action sequences, too. Yeah. In particular, I remember there was a really good fight scene between May and Ward that actually felt like, oh, man, they're actually trying <laughs> for the first time. Yeah, I mean, just everything got taken up a notch. Like you said, it felt like we were finally watching the show we were supposed to be watching. Right. And, like, I was really committed to just, like, well, we came this far, you know, in terms of a viewer, like... Like, you know, there there was times I wanted to tap out or whatever during the run of the first season. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just I'm just like, okay, cool. I'm on board for season two now after the way the season ended. Mm-hmm. And uh, season two, uh, I guess the first half is mainly about, like, trying to rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D., trying to rebuild the team. Then the second half gets into the Inhumans. Um, and, uh, you know, it's still dealing with the shield stuff but it's mostly about the inhumans and sky becomes an inhuman and her dad is played by kyle mclaughlin who is also hamming it up hey, like very ham- yeah i love yeah. kyle mclaughlin but he's <laughs> hamming it up um and uh it kind of loses interest in the shield part for a while but right. um but uh which which by the way let's talk about that for a second when we talk about the inhumans basically the inhumans are the alternative method or i don't know how to say they're kind of like mutants but they're formed differently they have a whole different origin all that what do you guys think about them setting up the human in humans on the show already considering the inhumans tie-in movie is not supposed to come out to like 2019 i think it's odd it's odd it's it's i don't know if it's bold or stupid or what you know i don't know yet like it's one of those things where i know 
the movie people and the TV show aren't as connected as some people sometimes think. Like right. in reality, they just kind of operate completely separately. I mean, the TV show I think has to check with the movie people. I don't think the movie people do the same, obviously. Yeah. But I almost feel like the TV show kind of got away with something somehow by you know saying like let's just bring in the Inhumans. Do in. it and now. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I guess the Inhumans are such a complex idea that maybe it's a good idea to start sowing the seeds early on TV before you get to that movie. Right. But it's, it's. I don't know, I was really surprised that they pulled the trigger and, and got so much into the mythology of them already this season. But I will say that the, the nice benefit of that is that one of the lingering complaints over Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I think the reason a lot of people like, I don't know if, I, if this goes true to the, the second run guys here, but I know a lot of people are like, well, what's the point of watching a Marvel show that has nothing to do with superpowers or anything? And the second season really addressed that by saying, like, okay, now we can finally be a superpower show, too, and bring in the Inhumans and just start developing more of that and not just mm-hmm. not just be a spy show. You know? I don't think my concern was ever anything about superpowers as much as just, like, I just didn't care. It wasn't about superpowers as much as, like, there's just a bunch of characters in the show that I don't care about or never yeah, knew and about. Yeah, and I wanted to, and, and that's, like, you know, whatever. And you heard us say something about Sky earlier, is that I, I feel like they're trying to make more of a connection to, like, the comics now, because maybe it was just a reaction to people saying Sky sucked, but in the second season they revealed that Sky is actually Daisy Johnson, who is a Marvel, you know, superhero character named Quake, and they revealed that she, yeah, they, she's an inhuman, and they gave her those powers, so now she has, like, Earthquake like powers. Cash, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like... The, well, when they, when they made in, the right? show, well, But when they made the show, it was just, like, what more can we pump down people's throats of Marvel. And it's not that I don't appreciate getting a lot of Marvel pumped down my throat because I do, but at the same time, like I didn't need agents of shield. You know what I mean? I didn't need a bunch of randos. It really did. Yeah. It, it, it it is a very cheap looking show. It's a, you watch it and you know, you're watching a, Network, and, and that's what that's what really kept me away. Is it? Look, I mean, especially, like, and, and, and that's something. And that I'll be honest, ever... like I was thinking about watching it, and then I saw the Deathlock design, and I was like, oh, "No, fucking way!" Uh, but yeah, even even, I mean, now with with you know shows like Walking Dead and Mad Men, shows are, shows are just so much more cinematic looking now, and this one still looks like a, you know. Like a yeah. network show, I guess. I kind of, I guess, what I give him credit for is I kind of agree that it started as just a cash in because, like you said, it was just like, well, it's the Agents of Shield. It's just the other guys, you know, that aren't even relevant to the comic stories or anything. Right. But as it's had to like kind of justify its existence, it's been trying harder, I think, to connect and actually feel important to the point where, like we just said, like now it's actually building up the world of the Inhumans. You know, four years before we'll get to it in the movies. Yeah. So at least they're tr- they're trying to like justify the show. You know, in the MCU a little bit more, and I think it's I think it's working. And I, they, in the second season, they brought in you know Mockingbird, who's a kind of a popular character in the comics. She's awesome in the show too. Her, her, and Coulson, and uh, what's her friend? The um, her friend. the other assassin guy. Well, whatever, her boyfriend or ex boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. The, her and Hunter and Coulson are really the only characters that I really like still. But um, those two characters added quite a bit. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just for me personally, I mean, I would never make the argument to somebody that you need to watch Shield because it's such a riveting and great show. I mean, I think it's definitely, you know, I'm not even a TV guy, but I mean, just the idea that it it can kind of piggyback or get like a turbo boost, you know, once or twice a year from events that are going on in the film world, it it really does keep me, you know, going and interested in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's just you know to to go see two films, 
a year to keep up with the whole Marvel thing. That's one thing to see two movies and then I guess watch 23 weeks <laughs> of, uh, uh, you know, well, and even more now, right? Because yeah. now we have other shows, which we'll talk about next time. Exactly. So is this where we're going to cap it? We'll, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think this is a good end point. That way we'll get two more movies to talk about and a couple more shows to talk about to fill up the next part. The epic conclusion, right? Part three will be the last. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Until a few years from now when we have to do part four. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> the, the epic conclusion on the best podcast. Now, we got some fan mail about the future of the MCU. Should we save that for the last episode, or should we... Well, yeah. I think All we right. should save it, yeah. All right. Yeah, let's let's start the next show. I'm curious about this fan mail. Let's start the next show with that. All right. We'll probably end the show with that, honestly, since it's about the future of the MCU. Oh, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. <laughs> I just want to I just want to read the fan mail. I want to know what's going well, on. Well, you can't. Well, you can't, so deal with it. You mean um, you mean I have yeah. to wait in anticipation like all these slugs that listen to I mean all these great fine people that listen to these wonderful podcasts that we produce <laughs> on the I slow hand radio network the, if it bleeds we can kill it Facebook page and see it but oh, oh shameless plugs who wants to do that come on let's be <laughs> then we have to put up with all then we have to put up with all the Instagram photos of birds uh, clip nails that he does during the shows and whatnot. <laughs> One thing we didn't talk about when we when we were talking about uh, Avengers that I meant to bring up is the post credit scene, which That's teases. Good. Which teases Thanos. Thanos. Thanos, one of the shawarma. When when you say teasing, you're not fucking kidding. Jeez. <laughs> um, now, why does why is he like reddish in that yeah, post credit scene? I don't get that then, at all. And then I, purplish. It's no, you know, man. no the, the way up. Jelly's Jelly's right. It's like the lighting or something. He does look more reddish. I he looks he looks total. He looks like a totally different color. He looks like a different does. character, even design wise. He kind of does. And, yeah, well, yeah. And if you look, if you look, and that was going to be another point that I made. If if you look at like um, when the other approaches Thanos in is it Thanos or Thanos? Thanos. Okay. I say Thanos. Well, yeah, if you say it that fans. way, then that way cannot possibly be right. <laughs> so let's go with the opposite. <laughs> um, but if you look at, like, when he approaches Thanos and he's on, he's like on his throne or, like, standing behind his throne, his throne is totally different than it than as right. it appears later on in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. He probably just so got a like, new one. He's got multiple thrones, man. He's important. I, I, I really felt like that tease, even when I saw it, you know, even before things changed later on, I felt like that tease just felt so half-baked. And so, and I felt, I felt like, okay, you know, Avengers was really the movie I felt like that got the casual audience into the Marvel thing, which is great. Like, I'm glad they did it. You know, I'm glad the films could keep, keep being as big and you know, that awesome was, as they were, but, but that was just, uh, I mean, the average person isn't going to know who that is. And like, I even kind of knew who Thanos was. And even I was like, I think that's <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it was so, I don't know, half baked. I thought you had to like, and you had to know, uh, you had to know stuff about Thanos in order to get like the, the, in order to get the scene at all. Cause like, right. it's always it's, like that with these post credit scenes though. Like, I've walked out they're, of they're Marvel movies. They're not made movies. for casual fans. They're made I've, for, I've, like, I've walked yeah, out I've, of 
several Marvel movies, movies turning to Trev and being like, okay, what the hell was that? You know, like <laughs> yeah, and I think I think there's something to be said for. It. I think that's actually kind of ballsy to just present a scene that's just for like the hardcore fans. And I also think it does lead people to go home and like look that up and be like, you know, it's actually forcing almost a continuation of the discussion about the film. Right. So, so yeah. what, while it's we're just, at it too, let's. It's uh, just weird. Like you have to know that Thanos is like literally in love with death. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind well, of well. The weird. dialogue works even if you don't know that. It's just one of those double meaning things. So w- while we're at it, let's just talk about shawarma. Shawarma. That scene that's great. that's still to this day my favorite of the post credit scenes. Simply, I think it should have just been the, the. I feel I feel like at that scene said all there was to say about post credit scenes, and then they should have stopped right there. Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I don't know. It just it really seemed like. The last hokey kick in the nuts to me. The thing is, I find I just don't. I tend not to care about the post credit scenes. Most right. of them end up not meaning anything, anyways, or a retconned out of existence because they do them ahead of time and they fuck then up. Re- like even that one where like Loki appears to um, to Selvig and talks to him at the end of Thor. Yeah. Well, he's not. You know, that doesn't make any sense later when you see the Avengers. He's not appearing right. to Selvig and possessing him in, in that movie by at that point. So that scene doesn't even make sense. So it's like. If they're going to be meaningless, you might as well just use them for nothing but a dumb joke, like the Avengers does. Okay. So that's fine by me. Yeah, well, I've had this argument. Post-credit scenes are. I've had an individual try to argue with me that post-credit scenes are just as important as any other scene. Bullshit. Well, those people are stupid. I mean, I, wrong. I, I do have to say though, like I heard you talking, Trev, on the other show that you felt like they didn't really like really do anything. But I mean, I don't know. I really liked. How they early on they were handled. I liked seeing Nick Fury talk to Tony Stark. I liked seeing Thor's hammer. Like it just, I don't know. It just kind of like you know, extra little juice walking out of the theater, being excited about what's you know what's to come next. You know what I mean? And I, really, I guess. I mean, I guess it's just like I said in the long run, they don't mean anything. I mean, you have that scene yeah. at the end of Iron Man, and then in Iron Man Two, you have them like, oh well, we're not going to put you in the Avengers anyways. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, they, okay. they did a whole short to retcon uh, the Tony Stark appearance right. at the end of uh, Hulk. So. Which is stupid and uh, it's on, stupid you, anyway. Like I don't, I don't get why they needed to retcon that. Like you could, you yeah. could have just had them say like, like all that scene says to me is like we're looking for Hulk. You know, like as like we're we're looking for the Hulk to be in the. But instead, they had to go out of their way to be like, oh no, we really wanted Abomination, but we actually don't want the Abomination. What a fuck! What a stupid. <laughs> Yeah, those one shots, like like I said, aside from like maybe Hail to the King, they're all terrible. The 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 Agent Carter one I liked, and um, but yeah, the <laughs> I think the dumbest one was the one where Coulson's like buying donuts or, or something. Yes, uh, that's awful. Yeah. What what about the one where the kids find the laser gun from the alien invasion and they rob banks? What that you- one could have been cool if they'd actually used those characters in Agents of Shield. I agree. I agree. But since they didn't, it seems pointless. Yeah, yeah. Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, yeah she's hot. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. So, so both okay, both with the really the end credit scenes, which I guess they technically still do have the end credit scenes. But I, f- I don't know. I, I feel like they're getting more and more wasteful, and they totally shut down the one shots. Are you guys cool with that? I mean, yeah, I'm fine with it. If you, if yeah, you, I don't care. if you had to pick one or the other something to keep something to go would you just let the one shots go 
Yes. Yes. At least the end credit scenes are only ten seconds. I can deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. I guess in a weird way too, we really don't need the. Um, I mean, end credit scenes are cool, but we don't really need them to set up as much now since like holy shit have you guys seen that they can't even like go get a cup of coffee on the civil war set without it being like completely captured and yeah you know what i mean like they're, they're reporting well, not only that but i mean why do i need an end credit scene to tease what the next movie is when i know what the next 10 movies are and when they're coming out yeah that is true now that they announce everything so far ahead well we had a, a teaser scene well we'll get i'm getting ahead of myself all right, so let's. Like... I'll just do it. I'll do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it myself. Yeah, like we never thought you would. But yeah, I think that's a good place to leave off. I want to thank everybody for being on Hillbilly DVD Reviews, part it's of a the pleasure. yeah, part of the MCU crossover series, keeping it going strong. Is there any 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 last words now we're coming to the well it won't be the home stretch because like Travis said we'll always do part four and five and six and seven eight nine ten you know we'll be old men talking about the MCU at the rate we're going you know Hail Hydra and then in our ten years from now we'll do the DCU specials that is true I you know what and that's another thing too is I kind of wish we could do a DCU <laughs> special right now. With like, do you guys not find it strange that Suicide Squad is like coming out two months after Dawn of Justice when Dawn of Justice was like done filming like a year ago? <laughs> that makes <laughs> no sense. Yeah. So yeah, that's... I feel like they're trying to decide what scenes they want to put into each movie. I kind of feel that way too because I feel like they're just shooting on both sets and they're like, maybe we'll do it. Like, does David Ayer and Zack Snyder be like, I'll trade you this scene of Batman for the scene with the Joker? <laughs> Like baseball cards? <laughs> yeah. I could, I could see that shen- those shenanigans. And, and he's like, oh, you know, well, you know, what if it doesn't match my movie? Don't worry. We'll both just shoot everything gray and it will look fine. <laughs> so, yeah. I will say that at some point during the podcast, I opened a bottle of uh, pure leaf tea and lemonade iced tea from Lipton. Nice. Is that before or after you clipped your nails? Yeah, we, I did not clip my nails. When, when you're when you're done drinking it, Bird, did you put all the shavings from your nails? <laughs> I was not clipping my nails. I don't know what that noise was. It was not me. If it was me, I would tell you. And it wasn't me. I'll uh, I'll, I'll review the tape in the labs and see if I can figure <laughs> it out whose who Skype mic it was coming from. Yeah, take it to some uh, some audio experts. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I want to tell everybody to make sure you visit slowhandradio.com. You'll see, really, and sign up for the email updates on Slow Hand Radio, and then that's the best way. You'll just get an email. You know, most of us have an email on our phones. You'll get an email every time we upload a new podcast. It's a great way if you don't want to wade through all the Facebook and all that kind of shit. It's the easiest, quickest way to mainline all our shows. You'll get an email telling you what the new show's about. There'll be a link for you to click to listen to right there that's probably the quickest way to get all this shit but uh, yeah so we'll be wrapping up with uh part three on the second run podcast coming soon to a what, what? galaxy near you i guess i don't know <laughs>
you can be damn sure they'll podcast about it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.